One, two, one, two. Now here we go. You know what time it is? Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. Yes, yes, yes. And we are back today with the Frankie Lee Podcast. Welcome back, guys. Um, Today is going to be an awesome episode because I've got my friend of five years in the studio with me right now, Mr. Nathan Cooper himself. He is one of three owners of the NQ Fit Factory on the Gold Coast. He's built an epic business inside fitness and everything else. Like we're going to we're going to touch on no end of topics today, mate. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to to share. Hopefully, what is interesting for most people. Mate, I'm sure I'm sure you're going to share lots of interesting stuff, but I just want to go s- straight in with like, mate. I've seen you. I met you five years ago, yeah. And when I met you, you was a crane. You was driving cranes in a crane business. Mm-hmm. You've completely flipped from that into owning the what's won the Gold Coast best gym, right? Inside five years, talk to me about how you got on that journey. Like even even to like how do you how do you go from being a crane driver and then flip it right the way into into this like the the polar opposite industry? I don't think it has a lot to do with whether it's polar opposite or whether any business for that matter, it's just finding yourself doing something that you're not really enjoying anymore and not being afraid to try something new. Uh, and that's sort of where I was. I'd already been crane driving for like fifteen years. So, you know, by the time I was thirty I had more than enough time. I'd sort of reached a glass ceiling in the industry, which is there's just – I had a license that I could drive any crane in the world, whether it be mobile or tower, building high-rises. I've worked in mines. I've worked underground, above ground, at, you know, 60 stories, 70 stories high. And you name it, you've done it. Basically, yeah, without sounding like the best crane driver in the world because I'm sure I'm not. That was never my goal. But in terms of that industry, there was just – there was nowhere else to go. There was nothing else to really learn. And um, and I, I had kids by that time. So when you've, you've got kids, the whole life changes. So when my first son was born, Oliver, he came in and you suddenly realise you don't have as much time in the day as you think you do and you want to have more time to spend with family. And when you're sort of up and out the door at 4.35 a.m. in the morning to get to site by 6 to then work all day and then leave site at five and then get home again by six and the kids are in bed the kids are already in bed or they're having dinner and going to bed or you know vice versa you've seen your wife for an hour or two maybe a day and you've seen your kids if you're lucky for half an hour to an hour I I very quickly realized that that wasn't where I wanted the rest of my life to go so I decided that I would try to do something else that I was interested in which was investments and finance and that sort of thing which I'd, I'd dabbled in you know um Crane driving does pay a good wage, which allowed me to invest, you know, wisely the the money you, that I was you making. Went more into like properties, didn't you? In the original yeah, room. yeah. Instead of just squandering it on you know fun things, I didn't not have nice cars, and I didn't ha- not have a nice house to live in. We had that, but I myself and my wife Emily were also very good at at saving and, and picking the right things to invest in. So we bought a you know a couple of investment properties, and that was great. But uh, I thought I'd pursue that more and go down to start studying while still crane driving, studying to be a financial advisor to help other people and learn more for myself as well. Like it's invaluable knowledge, but to help other people that may be in the same basket as me, like having such a a wide variety of people that I'd known from the construction industry. And generally speaking, they don't have a lot of 
Don't have a nest egg they don't have, Yeah, they, they earn decent wage. Most people in construction earn a pretty decent wage, but they, they're usually into it quite young and they don't have a lot of investment knowledge. So that, that was my niche. And I brought a lot of people in from that side and it worked really well. It took me two and a half to three years to get the qualifications needed to then do financial planning, which was really good for about six months. And then the Royal Commission came about in Australia where all the, the big banks were screwing people from yeah. doing wrong investments and whatnot. And they changed up basically all of the investment laws. And, and however which way that went without going into depth, they targeted financial advisors as one of the really key negative uh, industries of that Royal Commission. And basically that meant it, again, without going into detail of that Royal Commission, it, it like cut my wages. It, it just cut your wages in half or something? More, I, like about 60% off the top of my wage. So <laughs> it went from like a 3,000. And that was literally overnight? Yeah, within a couple of weeks, like you had to reform your industry wow. and whatnot. So any clients you had pre-Royal Commission were able to be grandfathered at the already agreed upon rate. But because I was only quite new into the industry, that wasn't a large portion. So pretty much all future clients were like at about thirty percent of what I I should have or could have been earning pre. Because the whole the whole financial industry is built on like the fact that you sign a client once and then it's just like a paid every time they renew along their policies and stuff like that. They, then you get a kickback, 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 kickback right away through. Isn't that, isn't that so, how it works? Well, yeah, it's a fee for service, and you shouldn't be doing nothing. You don't get a kickback yeah, for yeah, nothing, yeah. but. There are obviously rules and guidelines around the fact that you have to you do the ethical thing. You have to make sure they're always in the right plan. You should be touching base with them multiple times a year and asking if there are any changes and you know uh, making sure that they've got exactly what they need, through, whether it be insurance or investments or however it may be superannuation. But a lot of people don't and didn't, and that's why the whole Royal Commission thing happened. It's, it's better. Trust me, it's much better for the yeah, Australian yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But for the financial advisor that I was at that time, it was, it's, it was it's, terrible. It's not, it's not good in terms of like it hit, it hit your base income. But, mate, I think, I think out of all the people I know, you've had the most jobs that I've ever known in like a five-year period. <laughs> like, and we're going to talk about some of them on this podcast, no doubt. But like, because at the same time as that, you was working doing, doing, doing the nightclub scene big on the golf yeah. course. Because you were literally like running bedroom nightclub, weren't you? I was one of the one of the three managers that were in clubs. So there's a there's a general manager which oversees the whole lot. There's a VIP manager that I was, and then there was a bar manager that was another friend. He'd run the bars. So yeah. my management role was to uh, the VIP booth, the bottle services, the pre bookings, um, the basically the the bigger spenders. So like the minimum sort of thousand dollar spenders of the night, um, and then finding them, booking them, taking payments assigning waitresses to them, staff breaks and stuff for the waitresses, selling the tills, the cash outs, all that sort of thing. That was the the VIP management role that I was doing. And you met some good celebs doing that? Yeah, I had a, a couple, a couple of good ones that came in, but there were none that were unfortunately like, I remember one night Usain Bolt came to Sin City and yeah, didn't I, come to bedroom yeah, nightclub. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I was like 50 metres down the street and I was already sold out and booked out and didn't have the time to run up the street. Big so, fan, could yeah, have, yeah, could have yeah. got a photo. Could have because that was when the Commonwealth Games was on. Yeah, yeah. I got to meet like Jason Momoa and uh, a couple of the stars from the Vikings TV series. That was yeah, cool. That's but wicked. It wasn't really about that. Like one of the things that I sort of take through life and also through work is everybody gets treated the same, and I think that's that's a really fair way of of running things. Like I'll give somebody who's literally working at McDonald's and has no savings to his name, who maybe have saved up for six months to have his birthday with me at the bedroom nightclub and have a bottle service, which has cost him like seven, $800, I'll 
I'll treat him just as good as I'll treat the high roller, big show, flashy baller with Rolexes and gold chains and he wants to buy 10 bottles of Dom. He's going to get the exact same service. He's going to get the best Nathan, the best waitresses because it doesn't matter how much money you've got. If you want to pay for a service, you should, you get, the should, service. You should get that service. 100%. And I was really successful in that role for the three years that I was doing it whilst working, uh, crane driving and financial planning. At one stage, I was doing all three. But I, I feel like so many people get caught up with the fact that they want to be either they want to be nicer to certain people because it might rub off on them or they might yeah, get yeah, something yeah. from it. The like, kickback. They're, yeah. They're, they're, what, they're clout chasers is what I call them, clout chasers. Yeah, and like it's, it's, it's rude. Yeah, I feel it. it's very rude to do that because there's, there's no reason that the young kid with no money shouldn't have the best night of his life and, and you know, still be given because a lot of people as well they come in and they spend more money and they get sort of free stuff given to them or they get gifts or they get a little bit extra because they've spent more but that's maybe because they earn a lot more you know this young fella or or girl for that matter whatever it shouldn't matter it shouldn't matter if you're 40 and you're having a a party you know or if you're 20 or just just treat everyone everyone with the same amount of respect no matter how much money they are because you never know where those people are going to be in the future that's exactly right that's you just you don't know and and it's it's how you'd expect to be treated you know so i remember when i when i first obviously like i'm like i said to the start of this podcast when i first met you uh, five years ago i think mm. and i was you know obviously an immigrant coming to australia which is what i am um obviously it's really hard to fit in make friends all that stuff settled down in a country, especially when you've left everything you know, especially when your country is polar opposite different. Mm. Just because we speak the same language or well, a similar... Starting afresh it, is it, hard, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's a completely different kettle of fish, England to Australia. And you you went out your way to make me feel welcome and bring me in, like you were one of you and Steve and people like that were, 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 would like really made me feel welcome in the gym. Yeah. And like even though I, st- I stood out like a dog stick at a Christmas party because I wasn't, because <laughs> I wasn't like you lot. Like you could tell I wasn't like you lot in terms of like, I like boxing. It's, I wasn't lifting many weights back then, but you like lifting weights, but it was just, it, you just completely made me feel welcome and or mm. And that's, that's the one thing that I've noticed about the gym that you've got now, obviously never quit. is the fact that you've built, a community vibe around around that, and obviously very very welcoming yeah. inside the gym. And I think that's that's, that's what we wanted to do. So that's yeah. it's good that it feels that way, and I, I appreciate you saying that. But that was always the intention, and that's that's my intention in life. Just full stop. It doesn't matter if it's a business that I own or if I'm in somebody else's business. Like when we first met, yeah, I was not an owner of NQ then. That was just my business partner Ian running the best show that he could by himself at that stage. Hundred percent, yeah. It, it, it really shouldn't matter if you see yourself and I see myself now obviously as a leader and a mentor to a lot of people because that is my role. I'm a coach uh, and I'm also a senior member in the gym. People should be treated well by their leaders or their mentors and it, it should also be like if you want to be a leader, act like one. You, know? yeah, and, you, have to, it, you have to assume the role before someone gives you it. That's exactly right. A leader shouldn't be given a role. A leader should be followed because people want to follow. No one should ever put their hand up and go, I'm the leader, follow me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will follow a natural leader because they respect their decisions or their actions. And that's how I want to be seen. I really actively try to be seen in a good a good way like that and hope that other people will act and, and their actions will be the same in the gym, especially my staff because a lot of our staff, all of our coaches are quite young. So myself and business partner Ian and especially my wife, we try to – 
to coach them and train them and, and explain to them how important being a like a, a good leader is and a good mentor, you know, to all of the younger demographic at the gym. I, th- I think it's. I think you got a wicked set of staff there, though. To be fair, like you've not, you can't really go far wrong with the people that you've got in the nah, gym we've, and, and, we've and, the been vibe, very lucky. and the vibe that you've built there. The beauty of it is, is we have not advertised for staff once. So all of the staff that we have have either come from within the community, uh, or have come from a friend of an existing staff member. That way, no one's ever just come in and gone. Oh, can I have a job? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's all been referral based, which is excellent because you know you're getting quality. Then somebody's vouched for them. Yeah, no, no, I, f- I fully understand what you're saying that because obviously, like when you when you come to bringing on staff and team members and all that stuff, like if you bring you, you know, you can really seriously regret in a business like that oh, bringing bringing on the wrong person on yep. the wrong vibe because it just literally can kill your gym. You could lose thirty, forty, fifty members overnight. That is the danger. Yeah, so it's got to be really. They need to fit the brand, number one. They need yeah. to fit the demographic, but their actions, their persona, their look, their energy, everything is so important. And as ironic as it sounds, it's not just about what their resume looks like. You know, they need to be qualified. They have to have their own insurance. They have to be a good coach. That's all very important. But there are so many other aspects that are equally, if not more important. I think, I think what you've got there... Um, and I want to pivot back in a minute back onto the to, to the journey to get to where you are now. Yeah. But I think what you've got there just to clarify is the fact that you've you've got um, people there that are just good people. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Right, more so than anything, you know, there's there's always going to be someone who has more certificates in some stupid thing than someone else. There's always going to be someone who can oh, swing it more than someone else. But <laughs> at the end of the day, right? It's just it's just a good vibe with a good group of people, and that and that is why when we when we go on to talking about the journey and where we are right now, it, it'll be it'll be apparent, and that's why it's why it's been a success based upon the community vibe that's yeah. been built there, hundred yeah, percent. But I just want to pivot back quickly because obviously I want to f- fill out the journey bit because obviously you've been the financial planner, you work in the nightclubs to 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 pocket the extra cash in terms of like to to put into businesses and investments and stuff like that. At what point did you approach Ian? Um, the founder of obviously never quit. I'll t- I'll, if do you want me to take you take yeah, you back t- to the t- start? T- t- I'll take you back to the start. Okay, so just tell me about because um, not many people know about you. See, like no. even 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 like um, James who who works for me, he he's like fuck. Oh, I want to know this. I want to know that. I want to know this. And I'm like, and he's obviously written this big list, mate. And I'm just trying to take people on this journey because if he wants to know, then everyone wants to know. Do you know what I mean? Well, so I, take I it back. I appreciate that. I'm not the most interesting person in the world, but I have had a, a pretty decent journey the last five years. Uh, okay, so taking back, we already know about the crane driving thing that happened at about 29. I made the decision to start financial planning, studied for the next two years, studying, reading books and, and studying the textbooks on my lap in the crane cab whilst doing the crane work and then on smoker break, studying more and then going home and studying more. And, um, and it, like eventually, you know, I got there, but external study is is hard you got you got a question you maybe you get a bit stuck you've got to send an email you've got to wait 24 hours to get a reply to that email and then you finally get the answer and by the time you get the email back you've already moved on you've you've (laughs) got to go back to where you were to figure out you know you know blah 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 it took a long time a lot longer than it should have if i did it in the classroom but the thing is, is i had to keep working because of family and mortgages and investments and commitments like that i couldn't just go and sit in a classroom for a couple of months it doesn't work that way so anyway did that, got qualified, started working as like an intern, financial planning. It wasn't just, hey, walk straight into a, a paid role. So what I was doing is I, at that time I was driving a crane uh, on the beach at Main Beach and 
that we were it was quite a slow job. So we were finishing work at about two thirty every afternoon. So I was working from six until two, going to the office in Southport, about twenty no, not twenty minutes, ten minutes away. Um, working in the financial planning office, still in my high vis clothes, in my work clothes. And working there until six PM. And then so I could get in about 15 to 20 hours a week in the financial planning office because I had to do a set amount as the sort of intern before I could be signed off. Um, would finish that. I'd go home. I'd shower, change, and then go on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. I'd then work as the manager at the bedroom nightclub just to make up that income that I was just, losing. Yeah, to make up what you're losing, yeah. Correct, by not getting paid, essentially. Um, and I purposely took that slower, less hours job in Main Beach so I could do the internship at the financial planning thing. So to supplement my income, I could then work a night job, which would allow me to get home by three. Um, the day that really, the Fridays were hard because I'd come home at like 3 a.m. on a Thursday, on, well, technically on a Friday morning from working Thursday night to then have two or three hours sleep to get back up, race to work, wow. work Friday. Luckily, Friday was an early finish, so we'd usually finish by one or two. And then I'd go do the office thing again, go home, have a power nap, like I'd get 20, 30 minutes in, eat dinner, go to work, smash a couple of coffees in that process and then work again till three, come home, sleep most of Saturday, wake up, go to work again Saturday night, come home, wake up, spend the day Sunday with the family go home again, work Sunday night, and then do it all over again. Mate, that's, do you know what? That's, that, if that doesn't show you dedication, I'd like to everyone that listens to this podcast in terms of wanting to provide for your family for, and, and for everything that you, you're looking to do in the future, mm. then nothing will. Because that, you, you, really what you broke down there is like you're working 16, 17 hours a day, low, low sleep, At least. back to it, two or three different jobs, mm. Just, just to get because you knew you wanted to get from there to there. You know what I mean? Well, I had also had a, a like a money target, like a goal target that I had to have because I had the goal of of buying my own gym. Right, so I okay. didn't just have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting around. So I, were you looking at buying a franchise or what were you? What? I looked into it. I did. I went very deep with uh, with a world gym as an option to purchase a percentage of of a world gym, one of the many. Yeah. Um, I looked. Unfortunately, that it just didn't pan out. Um, I'm kind of happy it didn't, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went down sure. the path uh, with another friend. Actually, we looked at doing an F45. And again, just the money that they wanted for the business model that they promised, it just... It doesn't the, stack up, does it? The it math doesn't, stack, doesn't up. stack up. And nah. listen, I know there... And I'm not going to talk bad about any business. Uh, it's not my style. But their price that they put on their business for something that has no guarantee of success is phenomenal. And one thing that really got me with the F45 is is they'll give you a territory. They yeah, call it, they call yeah. it your territory. Yeah, they don't saying. own the land. They have no rights to that land. But they say we won't open another F45 within 5 kilometers of your territory. Yeah, but in now, the Gold Coast everyone's opening the gym right now. That's <laughs> nice to say that there won't be another F45, but there could be 10 other gyms in that territory and now yeah. you have to stay there they pick your they pick your destination, they pick the building, they fit it out for you, they hand you the keys, all the hard work's done and, and there it is. But they want like half a million dollars for it. It's got no personality as well when you it's, get a gym like that. No, it's got it's, no, no soul, there's no purpose to it. You've yeah. not, you don't have your own gym. No, you don't. Like, you're just you, running someone else's you're, business. You're, yeah, you're, you're basically evolving someone else's brand, building someone else's yep. back end out, you know. Yeah. 
and even though that even though a lot of these franchises say that there's marketing budget and all that involved in what you do like when you look at, i know a few people that own franchises and they've been smacked hard because the marketing budget does not drive enough traffic to the gym so you've still got to spend three four five six grand a month or whatever trying to attract new customers new well, clients there's, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the clients yeah well you might as well if have you just started your own gym then <laughs> if you're going to spend half a million dollars take it from me people who are listening you yeah. can start your own gym 100 percent, you can i've got an amazing gym with my business partners and we've spent a fifth of that yeah okay yeah. because we put our heart and soul into it and we bled for it literally i i'll get to it but i literally put my back into it yeah uh, yeah and yeah, i'll explain i'll yeah, explain yeah, yeah. that later yeah you but did. like moving through that the whole reason again that i was working so much was because i needed to save up this because i knew what we had to spend to to get it yeah um, it wasn't obvious at that point. We hadn't even spoken about partnering with my now business partner, Ian, to take over that brand, but I knew that I wanted to do a gym. Um, and so it was just work, 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 work. Eventually, I got so successful at the nightclub thing that I was able to drop the, the crane driving. The, the, you see, you went, you went full, was that full-time then? Yeah, because that allowed me to spend more time with my family. I, what I found is I, if I went really hard at that and went, you know, really deep and just put everything into that and i'm quite handy with sales and marketing and like personality wise i was everybody's best mate in the club that was my job and i was good at it giving respect to everybody like we spoke about before but i found that if i worked sort of 16 to 20 hours a week doing that all time at night uh, i could earn the same as if i spent 35 to 40 hours a week on site now that was the payoff for me was endless because i could spend monday to friday working in the financial planning office now slowly about a year later slowly starting to make some money and build build some clients small money yeah so what i didn't just sit at home what i did was i just spent twice as much time in the office so now instead of doing 15 or 20 hours uh, as an intern i was now doing like 40 to 50 hours in the office and still working the, the 15 to 20 hours in the club isn't it the only thing that, that would do my head in, in in the club environment is it's quite like for, for the type of people that me and you are it would be soul destroying for me like in terms of like just being around that environment for that long well i'm i'm like yourself i'm not a big alcoholic i don't drink i've never excess. drank bro. i've never had alcohol I, so I know. it's well, like <laughs> I, I do like i yeah. love to have a, a couple of wines uh you know two or three nights a week with There's emily we'll have that. a glass of red with dinner but you um, you're not going out to you're not going out to get obliterated like some, no, of, these, some of these people. I haven't been obliterated in I actually can't even remember. It would probably be like my maybe my thirtieth birthday, like five, six years ago. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it's I can't even remember last time I was obliterated, but that is it's just not of interest to me anymore, you know. I like having a few social drinks with friends. That's excellent. I really do enjoy that, but not to that excess. So I think that was also part of the parcel. I wasn't there to party. I was there to make money. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and you, you, you're, you're the actually only one I've seen in that environment actually treat it like a means to an end, rather than just a bit of a jolly. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's 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 why that's why you were successful in that job because other than you and maybe probably Charlie Embley as well, there's not there's not really people that have had that much success that I know of in that kind of role in that environment that yeah. have generated that much revenue from it. Well, I had no interest in in becoming a manager or a club owner. I had a great role. It was very profitable for the time that I put in. I had a really good team, like the waitress team that I had sort of managed and, and molded into being an excellent team of, of girls um, yeah. was was working excellent. And like for a period there of about two years, we were flying. Like honestly, it was making ample money for 
the amount of time that we were all putting in. The bookings were strong. We had great returning clients, like weekly clients. I had just a list on my phone. I could literally send out like a group text on a Thursday and sell out the entire club four nights in a week from a few text messages. Like it was it was a really good job that allowed me to focus on other avenues without impeding on my, my life. So that it, it worked a treat for a means to an end. And you're still doing that, weren't you? So, so obviously you've now approached... So at this point, what, what was the point when you said, okay, I'm making enough... Because obviously money, you get to a point where you make enough money and you're like, okay, well, money's not the key driver. Obviously, I want my time back. I want my freedom, but I actually want to do what I'm passionate about. That so didn't what, happen for a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, because you were chasing revenue. Mm. But like, once you get to that point, like, what point did you say to Ian? Because obviously, Ian, Ian I, think, I think the story goes that Ian obviously got told that he's got to shut down this premise because it's being knocked down and yeah like oh, there, were, there were a couple of roles of that so this was 20 okay so fast forward from 2016 when it all happened yeah 2016 studying 2017 studying end of 2017 got the internship started working nights and days club um that was over the 2017 18 19 uh, the club was three years by 2018 around about the february march ish of 2018 early first quarter uh, Ian Dandrade, my business partner now, he was running the original Never Quit. It was just Never Quit. Uh, it was like a double car garage, a small sort of lock-up industrial shed. and Very, 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 very boutique. Very boutique. Amazing clientele because they loved Ian. They loved the training. And it wasn't about fancy equipment. It wasn't about fancy spaces. There was like one toilet. There was four or five car parks. Everything yeah. was old. He just built a really good vibe. It was really just did. like, and I started training there because the training was epic. Yeah. The same reason you came there. Yeah, and, 100%. And the people who were there, similar to what it is now at NQ Fit Factory, the people who are there are there because they love the atmosphere, I, I the actually, training. I actually messaged Ian on, on Instagram because he was doing a bit of boxing and um, I said to him, look, man, I can help you with your boxing if you can help me with my weights. And, and that's kind of how we, we got yeah, introduced. Okay. So I, I messaged him. I was doing pad work with him. Um, to helping him refine, straighten up his punches, mm-hmm. get his footwork right, start moving a bit better, and then he was helping me. Uh, he integrated me into into the gym environment. And that's obviously where I met you, became yeah, nice. friends with you, and that's that's how it all evolved. Yeah, so I started training there in twenty uh, twenty seventeen. No, sorry, I got that completely mixed up. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, and was just training there with Ian, just as my gym. I when Oliver was born, there was no more time for big commercial gyms and creches and whatnot. So we'd just take him in, sit in the pram. So I'd already known Ian for a few years there. Um, I first met him by him actually coming to a beach boot camp that I was running many, many years ago. Really? Yeah, I was running a beach boot camp on Naranek Beach just here, just north of Surface Paradise. I'd do it just one day a week in and amongst everything else I was doing just because I enjoyed doing it. And I had 10 or 15 people that had come every single week. They'd pay 10 bucks and we'd train and swim and run up sand dunes and throw sandbags and just do a really intense sort of hour and a half training. Just because your passion was fitness. Just because really. I'm passionate about it. I'd yeah. probably only make like between sort of 100 bucks or 150 bucks to pack the ute, take it down there, set the whole beach up, pack the ute again, drive it back, wash all the gear, unpack the ute. I see. I it, see. This is it, why I do this podcast because I know you. Obviously, I've known you for. I never even knew that. Yeah, <laughs> that was hard. Like that'd have to be 20. Oh, going right back to probably 2013, 14. Yeah, and I ran that for a couple of years. But that was that was just a passion project. There was no there was no real profit. That was not worth my time. And yeah. I'm saying that in the most passionate way possible. There was no way that you'd take that job to do three or four hours work and get 
a hundred bucks. Yeah, but sometimes sometimes the best things in life aren't worth your no. They're time. passion projects. That's exactly right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And that's like where we're at now. So fast forward to 2018 where Ian and Neverquit then got told that the little shed that they were in was scheduled for demolition. There's a demolition clause in the lease, obviously. The lease expired. There was no renewal of the lease because of the demolition clause. Yeah. And I decided to sort of jump in and help. I'm like, dude, let's find another spot. I don't want this to close down. I'll help you. Like I know a few people and we started engaging the help of commercial what, what agents. Was he, what was his plan of attack before you came in, though, do you, do you know what that was? Oh, without speaking out of place, like because I'm, I can't speak for him. But the difficulty was, is his visa was coming close to running up as well. Yeah, and he didn't have the capital to be able to go and and start something new. His then business partner wasn't; he was interstate and wasn't interested in sort of uh, moving. It was just like, oh, it's done. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't want it to finish. My wife Emily didn't want it to finish. So we all sort of teamed up and thought, you know, start putting pen to paper and figuring out what we could do and how we could do it. And basically just came to the agreement, like, if we're going to do it, let's do it right, you know, let's go big and take it from, you know, like 100 square metres to a four or 500 square metre place and let's go from 40 members to 300. Yes, yeah, and and you know what, like, everything's cleaned up because, like, you've got to look at the Emily's role in that because she's obviously fully rebranded the place. Because the brand, the branding has has moved leaps and bounds with what she's done compared to what you were. Oh, Emily's role is arguably like the top of the pyramid in in the business. Like it couldn't be where it is without a feminine touch, and I mean that in the most respectful way. The if Ian and I had have just had our gym, it'd, <laughs> oh mate, it'd be it'd, spit and sawdust. It'd be literal <laughs> cement walls, and it'd be rough, and it'd be raw, and it'd just be big sweaty guys just throwing around really ultra heavy weights and doing shit that is unlike NQ right now. And that's just because that's how we like to train. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. not how a commercial business likes to train. And the way that NQ Fit Factor is now, we've got like a 70% female membership base. It's really, really accepting of all people, but the females really feel comfortable there. And that's what we wanted. We wanted, number one, we wanted everybody to feel comfortable but by having a really comfortable female membership base, it allows everybody to feel comfortable. Like if you've got somewhere where it's just, you know, big, sweaty, really strong men throwing, throwing, throwing stuff, stuff, throwing around, stuff and, around, lifting and, with egos. Mm, <laughs> and like we, we have that. There are people there. We encourage everyone to go really hard. But the thing is, is because there are so many women, the men just naturally be a slightly more respectful. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, no, and I feel that. I yeah, feel that. you'd understand that by being yeah, there. Yeah, because women, women, women don't go to the gym to be hit on. Do you know what I mean? No, and, and, and we don't want that to be in the yeah. gym. And, and there's only been a couple of times that we've had to sort of ask somebody to do something slightly different if they're maybe stepping out of line or making someone feel, you know, more comfortable. Be it through, sorry, dude, just chuck your shirt back on. You know, yeah, that was yeah, that was the yeah. old yeah. NQ. We could do that. Even yeah. myself, I love training with my shirt off and. I've got to be more respectful now in certain times and places yeah. to put my shirt back on. It's like you just got to be understanding that it's it's a everybody gym. It's not just a boys gym now. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because it, it has, like you say, it has evolved. It wasn't it wasn't always like that back in the day when when no. we started. Just just obviously break it down for me. Yeah. So the roles the roles in in my opinion in the gym is obviously Ian is like very like front end. He's brought the customers like the high end influencers, the vibe, the programming. You bring like the energy 
energy you've bought the investment and all that stuff and emily's bought all the branding the the just had the look and feel of the place yeah so emily handles i'll start with her because her role is probably the most important she's like the she is the the rule maker okay so she'll set what needs to be done emily's really good at, at like task management and she's she's a designer a graphic artist is now a web designer. She's designed her own Fantastic web. Fantastic mum as well. She's learned to do that. She's an amazing mum and wife. Shout out to Emily. Uh, Big but shout out. The thing is, is it not, nothing could be done without that. That's yeah. first and foremost. She'll tell. She'll like give Ian and I a list of things that needs to be done. I've <laughs> I got love a, that. I've, I've got an email <laughs> right now. That. Attention, Ian and Nathan. Please reply to this asap. I've got to do after this. There's a whole list of things that she needs for her online program. Yeah, no, because everyone, because everyone, obviously, you do look alpha, mate. But if if I'm truthful, I know I know for a fact that she's got you under a thumb, mate. <laughs> 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 I, I respect that and I'll, I give Emily equal respect that she gives me. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah, an amazing yeah. woman and I treat her like one. Yeah, okay? yeah and, sure. and I think all, without going to uh, – let's talk about relationships. That's how all relationships should be. If you yeah. want to be treated well, you treat your partner, whether it's male or female, you treat them exactly how you want to be treated. And I treat her like a queen. And she returns that to me like she's an amazing wife. But in, in a business – trust me, in a business setting, there's no love there. She'll, yeah, yeah. She'll she put just me tells in my you place real quick, and um, you know, there's been times I'm like, "Damn, Emily, you've been a bit rough," but it, it's work, and and it needs to be done. So she'll she'll lay out all the tasks. She's designs the websites, all of the graphic art, all of our logos, all of our apparel. She does all of that side of things. Um, Ian, his specialty is the workout programming, which he does. He's in charge of. He's very good at it. He's very good at that. Now, I've not yet to meet somebody better so we're in really he's very s- articulate in terms of fitness like the way he articulates things and the way he puts things down he can make he can make the same uh he could he could, he could write the same workout 50 different times but differently with different exercises yeah. that the, but that hit the same chain of events do you know what i mean yeah he's he's very good at his job yeah i, I will never try to do ian's job i'm a great coach he is just and he's like a genius when it comes to programming workouts like if we're both teaching the exact same workout, it'll be a different workout because he'll do it in a different way to me. It'll both be a great workout, but we have our different personalities. But for him to design the workout for our coaches to coach does a brilliant job. There's yeah, nobody that does that better. You see like different different people in, in the gym environment want different kind of coaches. So where where you might like you're the you're the kind of coach that kind of puts a rocket up someone's ass right i'm militaristic you're, you're, yeah yeah 100 percent. Yeah. And, and ian's very very like he's like very technique and very he's like, compassionate he's com- more compassionate, compassionate he's, a, he's a little feelings. bit more understanding <laughs> if somebody tells me they can't do it i'll say you can do it yeah. and you're going to do it and we're not yeah. going or moving until and we're not talking do about it. it right now yeah shut yeah. your mouth and do it and guess what yeah, they'll it do gets it. Done. They'll get it done. There's a difference, and the people who train with me train with me because that's the style that they want. Yeah, the people that train with Ian train with Ian because that's the style they want. That they, they, want. Ar- they want the arm round, the that's compassion. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's no. why we have so we have so many coaches. Like we've got ten different coaches that coach out of NQ Fit Factory now. I know, and everyone brings everyone, everyone brings has their different style. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so, so getting back to that, Ian, he does all of our workouts, all of our programming, which is excellent. He's on top of that. We leave him alone to do that. He's great at it. Um, he also writes the majority of our sort of online workout content. Yeah. So he'll sure. put he'll put sort of a plan together. Emily will make it really pretty. Yeah. And and graphic art. And, and you'll get it out to market. Well, no, and then I'll read through it and I'll make sure that it 
number one makes sense because sometimes Ian makes it slightly too technical. Yeah. So sometimes I'll dumb it down just to make it more understanding to the general crowd because if it's not being taught in the gym, it can't have the same explanation. Yeah, yeah, because so yeah. you can't put any context around what you're saying. That's exactly you? right. So it can be sometimes it can be too good and too technical and, and it can't be sent to the masses. So that's yeah. for an online program. That's different to the in-gym. Yeah. So that's where I sort of come in in that side of things. And then um, Ian also handles the majority of our of our social media stuff. He, he handles most of Instagram. Emily handles most of Facebook. Uh, that's their roles. I, I stay away from that. That's not... Not I your think. scene, is it? No, I handle the the staffing, the rosters, the the banking, the investing, all of the equipment. The equipment you love buying new stuff is what is basically what that comes down <laughs> Everybody to. Everybody thinks that. Okay, let me put that into perspective. What I let me let me correct that. Yes, <laughs> I do. I love buying new equipment for the gym, but what I love most is about having the best equipment for my members. I don't want I can- anyone to ever come in and go the equipment shit at NQ. I, I came in one day and it was like end of financial year. And uh, I said, Hey, Emily, how are you? Like, da, 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 da. And she just like looked a bit like, and then you just <laughs> you walk in with a, a brand. What's them things on the wall that pulls down? On oh, the ski Yeah, you, you, bought, you bought one of them. You bought a new bike. And, and she's like, But, but, and you're like, Don't worry. Like, so it's all good. And then, like. <laughs> so we've, we've got an agreement out, out of the partners, myself, Emily, and Ian, that nobody can spend more than 500 without having approval from the other two partners. So it's, it's like a group effort, right? Yeah, yeah. And if it's maintenance or cleaning or, or anything like that, it's usually a small thing. You don't have to think about it. If you need it, just go and buy it, come back, yeah. deal with it. But if it's a, a larger purchase, like a piece of equipment or something that you know is an accessory for the gym that's over $500, then we've all agreed essentially for me to, to stop doing it. That it, has, it has to be agreed upon. It was targeted at me. So yeah. Holly and Solly, Ian and this, Emily this, sat me this down. This rule was not, can I just say, this rule was not in process until he did this, what I <laughs> spoke about on this day. That's what, exactly what it was. Yeah, I know the day that you're talking about it, they said, well, we can't do this. We, we wait a couple of months. So what I teed up was with the equipment manufacturer. You did a deal, didn't you? I did a deal. I said, we'll put this on a 30-day account and then I'll pay for half of this now, which just happened to be... Four hundred and ninety dollars, and then we'll put the <laughs> other half the, on the to third. hit the agreement. Yeah, to, to hit, hit the, the agreement. agreement. I came back with I think it was yeah. probably probably about two and a half or three thousand dollars worth of equipment, and Emily and Ian got pretty shitty. Yeah, no, and I'm I, like, it's I okay. It's okay. I didn't I didn't spend more than five. I spent four hundred ninety dollars, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. okay. It's and fine. then next month, when you said we can buy it next month, then we'll buy it next month. Yeah. So there's certain ways to do things yeah this i know mate i i just can't wait to see what else you turn up in the gym with for 495 dollars <laughs> because you because there's going to be times when you do it I, when you pulled it off i was like mate you know it's a bit cheeky but i bet you would have bet you wouldn't have got cooked dinner that night oh no i still got dinner em, emily's quick to forgive um it wasn't no it's it's not it's not about that it's just more about I have a, a, a reputation that I want the gym to uphold. No, yeah, for and, sure. And I always sure. want, because we are a boutique facility, because we are an, an industrial facility, you know, we're not a big multi-million dollar a good life or fitness first or world gym. You know, we are a very targeted facility and we need to have exceptional equipment to Give, do those workouts. Break down for me wh- why you've gone with the type of equipment and layout that you have gone with. Because it gives the best workout for the money's worth. Okay, so like put into perspective, if you go to a commercial gym, like what I just mentioned, and yeah. you, you do like an incline leg press, you know the machines you sort of sit yeah, on your yeah, bum yeah. and you poke your legs up in the air, 45 degree incline leg press? Yeah. 
they're about eight grand without weight. Right. Now, yeah. then you're going to pay on top of that between sort of 4 and $5 a kilogram for weight. So most people are going to leg press. Most guys are going to be up in the, the hundreds. So you're going to be thinking sort of at least two to 300 kilos of weight before somebody feels like they've got adequate equipment. You're out of pocket like 10 grand for one machine. Yeah. That is why we've chosen this, not only because the training is, I, I believe, Emily and Ian both believe as well, the training is, is far more effective at, at building an athlete but the amount of equipment, the amount of versatility you can get by having functional weights and functional training in a facility as opposed to commercial weights and commercial training, e.g. machines. And I think it's more entertaining than just going in the gym and hitting the leg press as well, isn't it? It definitely is. But you, you train real body movements. You've got so much in the opposed, space as well. Yeah. Like in real life, when do you ever sit on your bum and push something really hard with your legs? I get it that it's designed to build strong quads and glutes, but the thing is, is you don't. That's not a functional movement. Yeah, you know, as as much as you want to believe that you're getting ridiculously strong legs, you're not training yourself to squat. So, so you're training people to look good at the beach, to look good on a night out, to be functionally fit in in the office or for their day job or for or just for life in general. Basically, that's what that's what you're going for. Definitely, but for life in general, yes. For overall health, number one. Yep. And to be the best version of themselves, version of themselves the, the fittest version of themselves as possible is like pinnacle. And, and what you need to understand is when you're the healthiest, the fittest version of yourself, the aesthetics, the look of the body, nine times out of ten, it just, it just happens. Yeah. If you're really healthy and you're really fit, you're not going to be looking like shit and fat and flubby. You're going to be pretty toned. You're going to be quite muscular. So if, if that's the overall look you want, if you want to be a bodybuilder and you want nothing to do with fitness, nothing to do with health, you just want to be a giant ball of muscle, our it's, style of training isn't going to work place, for you. No. But if you want to be an athlete at sort of any age of your life and be the best, fittest human you can be, then our style of training – and there, listen, don't get me wrong, we're not the only facility that does functional training, but we do it bloody well. Yeah. And that style of training is going to get you – an athletic body it just is going to happen yeah it's good honestly mate like the 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 the, the, the condition of of people that i've seen in there come in there like unfit and then turn like three four five six months later they're in good shape yeah I'm like, not like, professional athletes they, these are people yeah. with full-time jobs yeah these they are, spend yeah. like five hours a week one hour a day yeah i know and, and and it's just like it's just really nice to see like general population yeah. what that what what you turn as general population clients in, in a facility to come in and actually stand the chance of actually achieving what they set out to yeah. because of the right support and the, and the right structure is built so that they can achieve it. Support, knowledge, atmosphere, environment, workout, it all plays a part. Like, number one, you've got to feel comfortable. Atmosphere. Number two, you've got to actually enjoy yourself or you're not going to come back. The workout needs to be effective or you're not going to get any results. Yeah. And once you can get all of those things, you know, in check and you've got a good coach, you're learning, you're correcting form, you're, you're learning to be not only stronger but do the movements better, uh, it, of course, everything's just going to fall into line. You're going to become a better athlete. You're going to get more friends. You're going to have a better social circle. You know, we're also a very social gym. We try to have – COVID's been a, a bit of a dick around with not allowing us to have our parties, but we like to have a party every month or so and, and bring everybody together. It's a very social thing to, to be part of that family, the, the NQ family. Speaking about COVID, as you've mentioned it, like at the end of the day, like I know for a fact that before COVID, you'd you'd won Gold Coast Gym of the Year, hadn't you? Yep. 
you yeah you see yes. one you see one gym of the year then you then you obviously hit an all time high level of membership uh, everything was swinging hunky dory we were then, fine, yeah. then march the 27th or whenever the date was <laughs> comes through. around and you have to shut the gym right mate what's the first thing that goes through your mind when everything that you've you've put your heart soul and every all your energy into and then they say to you hey mate through no control of your own that you've got to shut it down yeah like when obviously we're not the only business that's in this standpoint so i'll give it to you from our perspective we've it was march 22nd it was sunday night we were we were in bed. Emily and I don't watch the news. We refuse to watch the news because it's ninety nine percent bad. <laughs> it's bad news. It's crap, and it, it's just depressing. Like yeah, well, there are more positive things yeah. in life to focus on. If you watch the news, you should listen to my podcast instead. It's a way better return for investment. I agree wholeheartedly, um, and I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but we all of a sudden both of our phones lit up. It's probably about seven thirty at night, and we're just just starting to wind down, finishing like a glass of wine. And then, oh, have you heard the news? Have you heard the news? Have you heard the news? It was literally probably both of us got about 15 or 20 texts in the space of about half an hour. We're like, what the fuck? And so we get, we don't, I don't even have free-to-air TV at home, so I couldn't watch the news. So I open up the computer. I go onto like Channel 7 or Channel 9, whatever it was, and I watch a recap of the bloody Prime Minister or whatever giving his... Scott Mar- ScoMo. Whoever, Let's go ScoMo. Whoever it was at the time giving their, yeah. their talk about, okay, tomorrow gyms are closing. Salons are closing. Da, da 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 All these other businesses you have to close tomorrow. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, we've given zero notice, less than 12 hours notice, have to close by 12 p.m. the next day. Yeah, I know. So in, in the space of that, well, from like opening up at 5 a.m., so most of our members are going to be awake from between sort of 5 and 9 a.m., telling 200 people that we have to close in a matter of hours, um, can no longer train, then... So getting number well, getting that news across without sort of you know breaking hearts or budgets or people asking us, oh, he's still going to charge us money. Delivering that news to two hundred people is difficult in itself. So we we reached out on Facebook, on Instagram, on the stories on both those platforms, an email to like our entire email list, which is all members, a text message SMS blast out to all members. I wanted to make sure everybody knew what was happening, why it was happening, out of our control. Uh, I. I had a really hard time getting hold of our uh, our debit credit supplier, Easy Debit, the ones yeah, that yeah, handle yeah. our automatic memberships. Well, they handle the cash processing of it anyway because they've got the credit license. I couldn't get them. And obviously there's hundreds of other businesses that are trying to get them and it was just like their phone was off the hook. Couldn't get them. So there was no way that I could, at the current time with our CRM, I couldn't do an indefinite pause with no like end date on memberships. I couldn't get hold of them. 12 o'clock was approaching and there's no end date to this. So the law stipulated, I, I read into it, that you couldn't hold a membership for an indefinite period of time if it was a direct debit. Easy Debit had already sent an email out with no reply saying that if you can't provide a service, you can't provi- you know, hold a membership. And we didn't want to hold... Jesus Christ. So we didn't want to charge people. That's, that's the wrong thing to do. You don't want to charge them for a service that you can't provide anyway. That's the wrong thing. But what we had to do was essentially cancel... All your members. Every single one. One by one, two. There was no blanket and that, that's got to be soul destroying, right? Yeah, it took me about three hours to go through one by one. Open it, close it, open it, close it, cancel, open, close, cancel. It was, it was, it was a very shitty morning, put it that way. But by lunchtime, you know, we were then sort You're talking of, about 200 members here, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we were at 197 before COVID. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, amazing because we started with 48 yeah, and and over the space of a year and a half, it was just under a year and a half. We'd built up to 
you know, a gym that went from nothing literally to, you know, yeah. flying. And so, yeah, we had to close. That was done. That sort of first week, we obviously had staff meetings and we're like, guys, we don't know what's going on. There's just no news. But what we did was we gave all of our staff the equipment from the gym. We're like, yeah. take take whatever you can fit in your cars. Keep your PTs going. You've got to keep some cash rolling in. As soon as we get more news, we'll inform you. But then it got even worse to the point where like you can't go into your gym. You're not allowed to. It was like people were getting fined for stepping foot in their own gyms. Yeah, I know. Because so, to rewind it back two weeks from when you shut the gym down, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm going to remind you because I still think you're a bastard. <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> oh, I'm you know sure. what I'm going to say right now? No. So, <laughs> so I, I was walking down the beach one day with my mate Aaron, right? And I, I, I oh, mean, I know I, where you're going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to throw you under a bus. So I, I happened to meet Tom Hanks on the beach. So, of course, naturally, like, na- naturally, yeah, like, you're going to have a conversation with him. So I'm walking down the beach with Tom Hanks. I'm having a conversation with him, blah, blah, blah. Week goes by. This is like early March. Week goes by. Oh, it, the, the photo gets picked up, put on every bloody newspaper yeah, across, Austra- across Australia. It. it was it was great. Yeah, instant celebrity. Next, a week later, seven days later, the guy tests positive for COVID. Right, <laughs> I become like I, I'm. I'm talking. I went on your patient zero, yeah, mate. Yeah, I was. I mate. Honestly, like everyone was steering a wide berth to me. Like this. It, Ian rings me or texts me. He's like, "Hey man," like, yeah. <laughs> or sends me a voice note like, "Hey man, look, I don't think you can come in the gym anymore." Like, I'm like, "What?" Yeah, I got yeah. So well, I, you got a test and you yeah, were clear, and, and I, that was all. But that's the thing. We yeah. we would have to do that for anyone. Yeah, no, it was I, harder I because you're already a friend. But it, irregardless, to keep 200 people safe and yeah, everybody yeah, knew you yeah, had yeah, a photo yeah, with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I know, yeah. So know. it was more just I was the, just gutted, mate. Yeah, like, it would have sucked. You, because uh, when, you, when you've got ADHD and you bounce off walls anyway and you're naturally high on life, <laughs> to get banned at your gym, like your local gym, I was like, wow, this is this is harsh, man. But, mate, so and then, and then obviously two weeks later, they shut down the whole gym and that was even worse for me because I was literally like going around George's house to tra- train on the back of like hanging on doors, doing pull-ups and shit because I had to train every day because I was... I, because I can't function without yeah. it. Because well, I just lived the whole life. Basically, all of my clients were the same. So yeah. they were like, Nathan, we can't stop training. Yeah. You, know, you know, I had 25, 30 sessions a week and I now no longer have a gym. So yeah. we're very lucky at NQ Fit Factory. For those of you who don't know, we've got a really wicked outdoor section out in the sunshine. We've got a rig set up, some calisthenic bars, an astroturf area. And we were lucky enough, we just took our equipment out there and trained out there for the time being whilst it was still so illegal. You, so, that, so that was that was a... You could get around that loophole. Because it was outside. Yeah. So this is one of the ironic things. You could train in a one-on-one scenario with a outside. trainer yeah. outside. Couldn't train in my amazing gym matter yeah, of yeah. metres away. Next door, yeah. Even if you were adequately spaced. But it yeah. was there was just a whole lot of loopholes that we jumped through. But we very quickly learned how to adapt to that and work around that. We kept all of our clients busy. All of our trainers stayed busy because we gave them the equipment that they needed to have. Yeah. Um, we Within one week, we'd already designed filmed edited and had released an online training program there's a massive pivot from you guys to be fair huge because we didn't have anything set so we're like got to do this what are we going to do we chose to do a body weight and resistant band style workout which i can personally vouch for was bloody tough like even for me to train change my form of training which is typically weight training to a very high intensity almost no rest resistance band style training was still a full body workout and you see the videos we actually trained yeah, 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 in yeah. the videos so they're a very interactive video where 
myself, Emily and Ian were working out in front of the camera at the same pace as we're encouraging the client or member on the other side of the television screen to work out. So that was, listen, that was really successful, not for making money, but for retaining interest. Yeah. So it was never about, we're not ever going to come close to making the same dollar figure that we would by having a physical membership. But what we wanted to do was keep all of our current members or as many as possible engaged in the community, and, and in healthy. The community. And so we had a Facebook group and, and the comments and you're able to comment and share and, and post your workouts. And we're encouraging people to, to throw up stories of their stuff and we'd share that and just try to keep the community alive as much as possible for, for mental health as well as physical because so many people were depressed that they couldn't you know, do the one hour a day of the thing that they actually love. Mate, I, they I, couldn't do it. Our lockdown in the Gold Coast wasn't like long in terms of no, it was gyms. it was about as good as it could get in terms yeah. of lockdown. But there was still a lot of people that had no form of exerting the energy that they need to. No, but I think about all the people in America and the UK and and places like that that actually do have it real bad. Oh, my brother's in Melbourne. He's got it terrible. Yeah. He, the way that he describes it is it sounds terrible. Yeah, well, I I, don't, I can't watch any news about Melbourne just because it's so depressing. It's just it's stupid. Okay, yeah. it, it is. It's it's ironic how how dumb that they have been down there, but yeah, that that's just silly. Back to back to our story. The online went really well. We ended up getting about seventy odd people straight into that within about the first two weeks, which was great for membership sort of retention and interest. Then we decided very early on, probably by week two or three of close down, that we've got a perfect opportunity to do a great renovation. Um, we didn't have a lot of money saved up, but we thought what I can do is I can sell pretty much all of our secondhand equipment, basically everything that wasn't bolted down, I'll sell it. And because there was a real shortage of workout equipment, because everybody you started, were getting wicked everybody prices started, for but, it. Well, I would sell it. I wasn't making like ripping anyone off, but what I was doing was selling our used equipment for the price of new equipment. And then I had a deal with our equipment supplier, AlphaFit, that by the time june rolled around we sort of we gambled with june that he would have and have put aside enough for us to buy back everything that i'd sold it was a little bit of a gamble because i didn't know that we would be open by june or maybe we'd get to open early but i said i need it by june can you promise me we'd have it by june he's like yeah we can do it so what we did was we sold everything literally all the barbells all the dumbbells a few of the benches, a lot of the, um, all of the kettlebells. I didn't know you sold everything. I just thought you were selling old stuff. Kettlebells, dumbbells, bumper plates, barbells, a few benches, two of the bikes, one of the rowers. And so, you know, that helped us get through from, for a cash flow perspective because we were making zero dollars, still had a small outgoing of, of costs. And, uh, and then that little gamble on, would we have equipment in time? You know, we, we knew that we would reopen, but when we didn't know. So would we have would we have equipment by that time? It turned out we did, and we were very lucky. <laughs> um, and then Alphavit and the owner of Alphavit, Jamie, who's been amazing, he's in a legend. Helping to be fair, get, shout out Alphavit. Shout is. out Jamie Montesalvo and Alphavit have been integral of helping NQ. Get I want to get him on the podcast. He's a, he's a top bloke. Very top bloke. very good guy. But um, they allowed us to have a certain amount of equipment on account. And we just pay that off monthly as we got rolling again. And so we were able to not only repaint basically half of the facility, um, put in some amazing new planter boxes with a lot of greenery, a lot of green life and plants in the gym, but also have all new equipment. So when we did finally get to reopen, we had an online workout 
done, program edited, already up there, making that you us can money always sell in the future. That we are still here. continuing to sell now. Yeah, it's still yeah. online. It's still selling. It's still making money. Um, but we also had all new equipment, uh, and we then had a new paint job, new branding, new signage, all these other things that I wanted for when people did finally get to come back in the door for them to look in and go, oh wow, you know, a whole new facility or new equipment and this is really you know nice to come back into a bit of a surprise so that worked really well and um and then yeah we got to we got the call on june one that we could reopen uh we decided to wait one extra week just to get certain protocols and and measures in order and have meetings with staff and make sure that we could uphold the covid safe guidelines which were seemingly never ending yeah and uh, yeah, we reopened on June eight. The day we reopened on June eight, we had one hundred and ten people resign. Mate, that's pre- that's pretty unbelievable support in it for, yeah. for for a small facility when you think about it. Because like some of the some of these gyms, like they have a thousand members, they shut down. They probably only got a hundred back. You've you've literally yeah. shut down with one nine seven and got a hundred and ten back day yeah. one. What's well, this? It's the same way that we we win these best gyms awards and stuff. It's a it's a peer reviewed thing. So it's our members that vote for us. But the fact is, is like if we can beat a gym with 2,000 members and we've only got 200, that just goes to show the love from those 200 people. We might get 200 votes. One of the World Gyms or the Fitness First or the Any Times or the Good Lifes, they might get 200 votes. Yeah. But that's like 10% of their membership and it's 100% of our membership voting. Yeah. So it's the love that, that we give our members is reciprocated. They give us so much love back and support that – the first day we had 110. By the end of the first week, we were back to 150. That, you know, it was just like, it was a little bit panic stations, you know. But by the time that we were a couple of weeks later and we were already back to very close to where we were pre-shutdown, just having that sort of love and, and feedback was really nice. How do, you, how do you go about, how have you gone about building the community? Like in terms of like, because I look at your community and, and it's just totally different to other gyms. Like how, what's, what's, what do you think the key differentiator is in that? We, we've always wanted to be different to other gyms. So we want people to hang around. We want people to stay and not finish their workout and feel like they have to leave. Or they're welcome to come an hour early and shoot hoops in the backyard in the basketball hoop or play table tennis on the table or, you know, hang out, have a coffee, talk, talk shit with their friends, what, whatever they want to do. Like if you want to stay and have an hour-long stretch after your session, do it. Um, that is number one, the main thing. Uh, we always wanted it to be an area where you feel welcome, um, you, you're comfortable, whether you're male, female, and, and you get a killer workout. So I think that in itself, that breeds the community because the type of people who want that gym will come to that gym. But then again, up until um, three weeks ago, we've not paid one cent for advertising ever. All of it has been either referral, so friendship referral, which is the best kind of advertising. If somebody goes, I love this gym, you have to come and train with me, that is going to be worth more than any paid advertisement that you will ever do. And so we... Like I'm, I'm just a firm believer in, and so is Emily, and so is Ian. If you do a good service, if you provide a good service, the business will come. Okay, it's the same as you provide a good workout, the body will come. If you want an athletic body and you train correctly, you're going to get it. If you want like a functional, strong body and you train correctly, you're going to get it. If you eat a healthy diet, you're going to look healthy. You're going to feel good. If you provide a good service, people will come. 
and we've been extremely lucky. Like I say, lucky, but we've worked really hard for it. It's not luck. I Nothing's it, ever just dropped on your lap. Yeah, nothing. Nothing that you've got is luck. And I think that even though you haven't done advertising in in maybe spent dollars for advertising, what you have done very well is influencer marketing. Yeah, my, targeting a lot of like micro influence marketing. So not necessarily just working off people that have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. That is not always the most worthwhile way to go. You know, you've got ten people who might only have like a thousand friends between them. But if those 10 people tell the 1,000 friends between them that actually care about what they do and who they are and where they train, uh, as opposed to a million people following someone that doesn't give two shits, they just want to look at their photos yeah, because yeah. they might have big muscles or they might have a great ass, um, <laughs> they don't give a crap about what they do or where they train. They just want to look at them. It's yeah, essentially yeah, sure, it's, it's a, sure. it's a perversion role. You just want to look at somebody or you actually care about somebody. So a lot of the times from a business perspective from us, we've gone both avenues. We have gone the big and the small, but the small ones are worth infinitely more. Like if I can get for, it, for, for, I, I agree with you so much on the, in terms of attracting people to the actual physical location because yeah, correct. because the, the smaller ones are the ones that attract the people to the more physical location. Yep. But in terms of scaling the 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 online program and selling the online program, do you find that the, the more the influencers the smaller followings drive higher revenue back, or do, are other bigger ones driving that? From our testing so far, which has been small, don't get me wrong, we haven't done massive marketing testing, but no. The smaller ones still return more, believe it or not. So we can have like somebody with a hundred thousand story views, and they'll do like a swipe up story to purchase one of our online training programs. Like, hey guys, this is the program that I've been using. It's given me the best body I've ever used. Swipe up to grab it, and you'll get my discount code. Something like very generic like that, which yeah. we have trialed before. We don't do anymore because it's it's just not successful. Will return less than if Ian and I will just do a, a story with no swipe up because we don't have enough friends. Yeah, we don't yeah, have yeah. enough followers. Like in a small process, if Ian and I will say, guys, we've, we've got this program now. It's what we've been using. It works brilliantly. Give it a try. We will sell more. Yeah. And so that, I, I don't know, like I can't speak for other businesses, but I think the genuine nature of having real people who actually care and follow you because they, they know you, they respect you, they care about you, they are actually interested in you, not just in an aesthetic perspective, is, is far more valuable. I think I think every everyone. I mean, I don't like the word influencer for a start, but we'll use it in this text. I think everyone has 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 like an influencer persona to some people. Like it might be one thousand people, it might be a hundred, it might be a hundred thousand. But it's just it's just it's just about how engaged are your audience into what you do and. And that's the kind of the engagement factor. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, look, the problem, the problem with Instagram, and I obviously you know I look after a lot of high-level influencers in the fitness industry and the yeah. fashion industry and stuff like that. So obviously I, this is a game that I know. The problem with it is a lot of them are in these uh, pods where they all comment on each other's photos, yeah. which skews the engagement rating on... But it's self-perpetuating it's, it's rather self than it being genuine. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, so, so those, those don't sell... They don't sell much. Like in terms of what you're talking about, that's how, that's why certain um, influencers that you'll invest time and money into and spend on posts, they will not generate you the result on the back end for businesses like yourself and yeah. for what you're trying to sell. So, like you say, with the micro influencers that have got genuine people, like they might only have like they might have like two. Ten thousand followers, and they might get like forty-five comments a photo, but they're forty-five thought-out comments that are just like really in-depth and and integrated into the brand. You know that. Yeah, it's not just like a flame. 
emoji yeah. or a thumbs up or a <laughs> yeah. kiss emoji or a love heart. It's like that. Yeah. Who gives yeah. a crap? That yeah. doesn't mean anything. Or it's not just Or that. it's just a bot. You just don't know nowadays. Like, yeah, we've, we've tested it. The best thing that we are and have always been very lucky with, with our influencer side of things is brand awareness. 100%. Not so much for and that's sales. Worth, and that's worth more than the sales. Well, that has been worth more because brand awareness for some, for a, a business like ours, which has one location, it's a small location. It's not a, a massive block busting, you know, road frontage. We're down a quite secretive location. We're quite tucked away. It's a very boutique. We've got no external signage. We keep it, you know, somewhat secretive. You have one. Not ex- oh, well, we've got a billboard. <laughs> we've got a small <laughs> sign on a billboard, yes. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of actual building branding, if it was closed up, you could drive down the driveway and not have any idea where you are. Do you know what? I've never noticed that. Yeah, we do that on purpose yeah. because a lot of people who come, I won't name names, but a lot of people who come there come there because they can have a, a somewhat private session and what not know what where everyone is. What about that big is. sign at the end of the driveway? That's specifically targeted <laughs> for photographs though. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what you mean though, but yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, unless you were looking for it, you wouldn't find it. No, no. And it, it was somewhat intentional, but has actually played out to be quite beneficial. Not everybody wants to go to a gym where people take photos of them or like, there, oh, look who that is. I'll there's take bar, a sneaky photo. There's bars in Melbourne and London that I've been to that are wicked, that are behind. Literally one door and it's yeah, got like, nothing. No, yeah. And also like I went into a bar and I thought, ah, oh, this is all right in Melbourne. But then I went through a bookcase into another bar that was like <laughs> mint. I don't even drink, but I'm like, this bar's mint, man. Yeah, how a, cool is that though? Because I feel like I feel like I'm on the set of Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That that sort of stuff is 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 awesome, and it, and it does pay off. It doesn't always pay to have the biggest flashiest sign or the biggest flashiest business. A lot of the times, the more boutique, the more cared for, the more sort of. Um, tucked away bespoke, secretive bespoke yeah, yeah, yeah that's becoming epically more popular now 100 per, percent per, in, in all avenues personal brands and yep. boutique businesses are are the future like but also terms. somewhere where people know your name so yep. whenever i'm doing staff training okay which is big for ian and i we, we really like to have a chat with our staff as much as we can i i love to use this perspective because growing up i've always because emily and i haven't been like massive party animals we do like to go to like a nice restaurant and we'll have a good good meal. Like that's our thing. We'll go and we'll get a bottle of wine, we'll go to a nice restaurant, have a nice meal, and that's like our date night. We don't yeah. go to a club and get written off or go and do drugs all weekend. Like we don't do drugs, we don't smoke, none of that. All we do is we, we have a nice glass of wine or a couple of drinks or a cocktail at a nice bar. And and what we do is is growing up and, and frequenting like if you find a really good bar or a really good restaurant and you go back there, if it's run well you'll end up meeting the owner if it's run well. 100%. Okay, if it's not run well, you'll never meet the manager, you'll never meet the owner. Don't bother going back because they don't give a shit about their clients. But if it is, you'll meet the owner, you'll get to know him, he'll explain the food or the menu or the wine, you feel really special. And even if you go to a cafe, you get the same coffee every morning and someone goes, hey, Frankie, it's good to see you again. Or Frankie, same thing as yesterday, you go, I feel I feel good. I yeah. feel like a celebrity. Somebody yeah, cares. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's one thing that we've been really passionate at NQ is to make everybody feel like they're cared for. You know, and, if, they're, and they're part of something bigger. Yeah, exactly. Because well, people need purpose. They're at the part end of, the, of day. the family. If you walk into a gym and there's a, a, a nice girl or guy behind the counter and they go, Good afternoon. 
And then nothing. That's it. And you go, oh, <laughs> hey. And you scan in, you boop, and you walk in, you do your gym. Nobody talks to you. There's no coach. There's no trainer. You put your headphones on. You drag your bag around. You do your workout, and then an hour later, you leave. Maybe you've spoken to somebody, and it's like, oh, are you nearly finished over there? It's like, yeah, it's no person. after it's you, not, and they're like, oh, I got, no I got one more set. And then they'll finish up, and they'll walk off, and you'll do your shit. You put your headphones back on. You'll do your workout. Mm-hmm. And that happens to like 80% of the populace. And that's how they believe training should be. Or would you rather walk into a facility and have 10 people go, hey, Frankie, what's up? How you doing? You had a good day? High well, five, fist bumps. Maybe not 10 for me, Can mate. I, oh, <laughs> piss off. He's playing that down. He's the most bloody popular guy in the gym. No, don't, mate, but that's, like, that's, defi- that's definitely not a I, thing. We can refute that straight away. <laughs> can I get you a drink? You know, do you need anything? You're right. You're ready to go. Like you're pumped. You had a good – anything like that, right? One of the, the big things we believe on is like two points of contact for every client, okay? I, I learned that a long time ago through an actual podcast that I listen to and it plays off in dividends. So if you can have one verbal point of contact and one physical point of contact, obviously depending on the relationship, it doesn't have to be a hug, but it can be a fist bump or a high five, um, COVID, just, just, an elbow tap, yeah. but uh, anything like that and, and obviously saying their name. As soon as you say somebody's name, because it, it registers that's what in, people love the most, their own name, isn't it? It registers in their brain that they know me. That's it. They know me. And I feel like now I'm somewhere where somebody knows me. And, you know, you've got, you, you don't always know in depth the member, but they have, in this day and age, probably come from a job where they've been at a cubicle and maybe they have three or four people in the office that they've interacted with that day. They might not like those people, but they have to interact with them every day. They've spoken to people on the phone or over Zoom or over computer emails. They've had no personal contact for the whole day. Now, they may or may not have a partner at home. They may or may not go back to a a setting that they have lots of love or no love at all. Maybe they live by themselves. So what you want to do is, is without knowing all that and without having to ask those personal questions, you give them the love and the social aspect which the human race craves. Yeah, because like I said, everyone wants a sense of belonging. Everyone wants a sense of purpose. People want to be connected with. And people are built to connect with other people. That's right. Like all this this stuff where we've all, half of us have got our heads down in our phone and this, that and the other and all this fucking online dating and all this other shit that we go through as humans that we're being indoctrinated into all the time. It's not good. No, it's taking away that social aspect. Yeah, because I see men these days that are too afraid to go and talk to a chick because they've spent half after life looking through tinder and bumble yeah. like mate like it shouldn't be called social media it should yeah, be called yeah, yeah. unsocial media yeah, because it's, it's media. anti-social media yeah, yeah. is exactly you, what it you, is because you're taught because you because you're not can you're not taught you yeah, and, and the things that we're taught to connect with on social media is all about how a person looks, what 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 Louis Vuitton shoes that they've got on, you know, all this other shit that doesn't yeah. that really doesn't mean anything. No, it like, doesn't. I'm, I'm, my dad's a well connected man in the UK, yeah, and obviously he's got some very wealthy friends, right? And I'm telling you now, some of my dad's friends were hundreds of millions in business, very successful online businesses. But like they, they roll up in a pair of jeans and a white t-shirt. They've got fuck. They're like they're not. They're they're minimalist as fuck. Yeah. Like you'd never know they got hundreds of millions because like why would you? And like, I bet they're happier than it, the flashiest person oh, with the most expensive man, car like, and the Gucci this and the Louis that and the guest that. None of that makes happiness. That will get you likes and ticks and and maybe if you really want it. And you've you've worked for it. By all means, go out and get it. I'm I'm never going to say don't buy something because you deserve to if you've worked for it and if you've earned it. 
But the whole culture that we've got now with the anti-social media, with the afterpays and all this stuff, where you can get it now, you don't have to work for it. Yeah, it's yeah, just it's a bad idea. It's, it's a bad reading idea. a a really uh, misconceived like uh, yeah. vision of wealth, and people don't earn things anymore. Yeah, because like there's so many people I know that are, are, are on this afterpay wave. Now I invested in afterpay and made a lot of money on the back end of the company from, from stocks. Mm. But I, cause I believed in the concept cause I knew people would buy into it. But That's I ne- a great I've, concept. I've, I've never bought, I've never bought the, I've never bought the, um, uh, the, actual the, actual, the actual products of yeah. afterpay. Like if you can't afford to buy it, don't fucking buy no, it. Just save up. Just like if like, you're going to pay for it over four weeks, save for four weeks. Yeah. And it's, buy it's, it and don't destroy your credit rating. In, and, instant, you know. gra- instant gratification is the biggest problem within our with our age group and the younger age group lower than us. Yeah, definitely the instant younger age group than us. But our, our age group is that borderline now where they still have all of the access to it, but they haven't grown up knowing only that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, when we were young, we had to save. Now we don't have to. We've still got the option to use it, but I think a lot of that has been taught to us through the simple necessity of, of having to. What, one, of my, one of my business mentors who's oh, – I won't name him because he doesn't like to be named, but <laughs> but at the end of the day, he said to me, look, Frankie, if you want to buy anything in your business, just create a revenue stream that pays for it for you. Perfect. Because if you, if but how good's that advice though? You know, <laughs> it's it's so simple, so succinct, and it's such something that everyone should should really really do it. Look, at the end of the day, you can buy as much uh, gym shark as you like, but don't don't go and after pay the bastard, no. that, or or clear pay or whatever they've got on their website. But like, don't go do that because it's it's such a it's such a bad game, and do it, and people do it all for social media likes and all this stuff, yeah. and you can't bank like the day you can take a like and put it in your bank account and cash it. You can't cash it. No, it's it's like um, we're doing some advertising for for my business, right? And James was saying to me the other day, he's like, "Oh, you know, we have got so many clicks." I'm like, "Jimmy, I don't give a fuck how many clicks you get. Like, it clicks don't mean shit. How many people are in the calendar? Mm. Oh, well, this many. I'm like, mate. So, <laughs> so you took that many clicks and you put that many in the calendar. It's not a good return, is it? Like, let, yeah. let, let's 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 find out what's wrong with that and fix that so we get more return on the back end. Because unless you're talking to people and and you're selling shit, you, you ain't doing nothing, are you? Yeah. Well, that's that's exactly the same with the business, right? If you're not doing a good enough service or you're not providing a good enough business, the people will stop coming. You might get them in the door through amazing advertising, through great pictures, through great, you know, um, social media marketing. Yeah. But the thing is, if you don't provide a good service, they're going to leave. And one of the really big things that we've always believed in at NQ is we don't have any contracts. There's no locking contracts at all. If you don't like it, leave. Yeah. And I mean that in the most loving way possible is that I never want to keep somebody there against their will. 100%. Because ev- I know for a fact that every time I walk in the door in the morning and there's like you know, 30 or 40 or 50 people and there's 10 coaches and there's 10 PT clients with those coaches and everybody's having a – the driveway is full and we've got no spare car parks and – People are waiting to come in the driveway. So I look at that as like, we're doing a great service. 100%. Uh, and I know that we're doing a great service because if we weren't, they wouldn't be there because they don't have to be. It's not like being locked in the good life where you've, for two years, you have to train there or they're going to take you to the cleaners and, and debt collectors are going to start calling you and they're going to wreck your credit rating. 
If you don't want to be there, just give me a call and I'll cancel uh, your membership. I actually know one of the heads at marketing a good life and she <laughs> hopefully she listens to that and, and, and snaps out of that system because yeah, if, if you're locked in for twenty four months and then and they well, keep they, they can't snap out of that system though. Their business yeah, they're, model they're, is they're, built on it's that. It's built on it because it's they built. need predictable revenue stream. Yeah. But that's like if they have a two or a three million dollar fit out and their rent is like yeah. eight or nine hundred thousand dollars a year. They they Savage. Have, oh, it's it's absolutely brutal. But the thing is, is is they're fighting for the bottom of the totem pole. So they're fighting for a 10 or a 12 or a $15 a week membership because they don't provide a service that is worthy of a 50 or a $60 a week membership. They don't want to provide yeah, they're not the service. Pre- they're not a premium. They're not, they're not positioned no. as a premium boutique brand. Are they? they class themselves as a premium gym because they spent $2 million on equipment. But the service that you're getting is like so subpar. They don't know your name. They don't care about you. They don't care if you are doing all of the workouts wrong or if you never make any progress. None of that is of importance to them. What is of importance to them is that... How many members have we got and how much revenue... And how many can we continue to sign? Because we know that we're going to have churn that's going to be like 20 or 30 or 40% every single month, every single year. It'll get more and more. So we have to sign up more and more. And it's it's just this. It's a perpetual. It's a perpetual wheel of of, of big business in in the fitness industry, and, and all they're doing is just fighting each other for the bottom, fighting what, each other for the least amount of service. And what are you going to do in regards to NQ? Are you going? Are you are you pitching towards more online stuff, or are you pitching towards another physical location? Uh, both at the same time right now. So we're already actively looking for a second location. That's probably the most difficult thing we've ever done. We, when we're opening number one, we know we knew that we wanted to stay in Bundle because that's where we already were. When Bundle's Ian was a great location it. too. Yeah, so we've been that, central. Like one of the hardest decisions of business was taken up for us is like we really want to stay in Bundle. Okay, that's awesome, but that's expensive. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's it's probably three times more expensive than what gyms pay in Burley or Ashmore or Mullen Diner. They're like. Opposed to sort of twenty thousand dollars a year is like where we could have gotten if we you, wanted to go out. You can get. You, you tell me. I'm sure Burley's expensive, isn't it? No. The commercials. No, it's not. Really, it's so cheap compared to where we are. Um, but in saying that, another thing with our business model is the socioeconomic demographic that we like to attract is uh, is important to the business as well. So we we can't go to an area that has a low sort of income to household ratio because they won't be able to afford what and the service you're providing. The service yeah, yeah. that we're providing is a fifty to sixty dollar a week service. And if you're doing PTs it's sort of eighty to a hundred dollars a session. And you know, I personally I have multiple clients that train with me five days a week because of a premium service that we can provide. Now it I, I arguably I want to back that up by saying it's not always about the money. But if you want to be able to provide the customer service, that one-on-one, that coach for every class, that always having a trainer on the floor to answer questions and guide the workout, you need to be able to, to pay them. So therefore, the, the service needs to be more expensive. If you just want to walk into a gym and, and do your own thing and be left alone, then there's nothing at all wrong with that. I'm never going to fight that. I'm never going to say that you're doing it wrong. There's a place for everything. There's there a place is, and everything. everybody wants a different service. But if you want the service that we provide, along with many other gyms out there, they provide a similar service. But if you want that top service, you, you do need to, to pay for it. Um, and, and so you can't go to an area that can't afford your business. It's like you're not going to see like a, a high-end fashion label open up 
in a like a, a small strip mall in the back of like Ashmore. You know, like a Louis Vuitton store isn't going to open up at Ashmore Plaza because it's not got, not got the right demographic. Because the demographic isn't right. That's exactly right. So what? That's why they moved out of Surface Paradise <laughs> and into into Pack Fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's unfortunate that the demographic just can't afford that area. So there are a couple of places that we're looking at, sort of south of here. Um, we're not going to Burley because there's already 10 billion other gyms there. We don't want to be there. Uh, but we are looking at other areas. Nothing is set in stone yet. I've just recently got an idea in my head that I really want to build a rooftop gym. Yeah. So we're looking into different avenues there, but then we're also looking at expansion at our current place, and there's just lots of different options. Nothing's set in stone. Definitely going to be a number two, but we're, we're not sure Because I know you was looking abroad. That's, yeah. that's what I was hoping you was going to say, actually. I was hoping you was going to say it was going to be abroad. We have played with the idea, definitely, but the whole COVID thing has slammed it. We 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 had done certain tracks and in investigations to get into Bali uh, and to start something over there at the start of this year, actually, only a month before the COVID lockdown. We're over there in January doing some sort of R&D. But this is now, well, probably another year at least until you can even travel out of the country. So yeah. put that on the back burner, going to work more close by and open at least another premises on the Gold Coast and then potentially look interstate. Are you going to change the feel of how the gym feels? Or are you going to are you going to mimic what you've already got? No, we've got a, a model that we want to mimic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So the fit out, that bespoke feeling, that service, that sort of steampunk fit out, um, the the plant life that we have, all of that and we want to Yeah, so you're bu- you're building you're building an like a, a series of of systems and processes, SOPs that you can obviously take uh, as a blueprint from gym to gym. Yeah. This is the colour scheme, this is the branding, Correct, this is yeah. it, and this is what we want to match. This is a, These are the weights that we buy, these are the plates that we buy, these yep. are the dumbbells we have, this is it, so it and matches. You, whether you know it or not, you build that over time. 100%. So we didn't have that set out like a franchise. We're not going to franchise. We might have investors within the company, like our staff. We'd definitely pick from inside if some people wanted to sort of yeah, buy yeah, into yeah. Uh, but we're not going to franchise. N- definitely not at this stage. Nobody's interested in doing that yet. So definitely keeping the the quality control that we have and the branding that has been so successful so far. We 100 percent we want to replicate that. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a really big thing. Is to to if you walk into, give us a few cheeky locations. Come on, spit it out. Oh, there's a, like we're playing with with Broad Beach, with Palm Beach, with tossing up with even possibility of Surface Paradise. But it's all about the location, like the actual physical premises. So yeah. we don't believe in air condition training, so therefore being in a shopping centre is, is almost impossible. Um, many reasons there, if you want me to go into that, I will. But yeah, yeah. T- t- tell, us why so you, tell us why you don't believe in air conditioning. Ian and I are very against air condition training because you don't get the climatic responses that you should get. If it's hot, you should sweat. Your body should acclimatise. If it's cold, you should adapt to that and your body warms itself naturally. Too many people nowadays... I believe, are in a climate-controlled life. So they go from an air-conditioned or a climate-controlled unit, they get into their car, the aircon's on, they go to office, they're in the aircon, they go home, they're in their car, it's aircon. Aircon's not a good thing for you, man. It's not a good thing. it's, It's not even about health, but your body loses the ability to adapt to its climate. Would you say the body body loses ability to self regulate then? Yes, one hundred percent. And therefore, you're so much more susceptible to to feeling bad in a in a sort of uncomfortable environment. So, being uncomfortable is beneficial. 
Yeah. Mate, mate, all the growth in everyone's life is 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 in uncomfortable, isn't it? Yes, one hundred percent. You have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You have to be uncomfortable to get fit. You have to be uncomfortable to go and ask that girl out that's fucking a phenomenal. Oh, one hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? You have to be uncomfortable. You know what I mean? You have to be willing to take take yep. a punch in the face. That's the whole. That's that's what life is all about. Exactly. Take a punch and move forward. But it's it's also it's not being scared. Of that adaption as well. Like yeah. if you lose the ability to adapt to your climate, anything is going to be harder because the second that you step out of that comfort zone, be it your climate control, whether it's in your car, your unit, your house, your office, you're now uncomfortable. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, me and you, uh, even some of the thi- like, it's just like me. Me and you are just built to be uncomfortable. Like the whole, the whole life changing countries, like yeah. this, this podcast. You know, learning this game. But if you learn new. to enjoy being uncomfortable, yeah, especially in a gym, right? It's only one hour a day. So if if you want to go from the really hot or the really cold gym, whether it's summer or winter, and then get back into your air conditioned car and go home to your air conditioned house, at least you've had that one hour. Yeah. Your body has learnt to adapt to its environment for one hour. Now, if, if you want to expand on that and walk on the beach every day or take the dogs for a walk down the street to the park and, and you're still out in the elements, it's still going to be beneficial. So anything extra that you can do is always going to be beneficial, even if it's tiny, even if it's just one hour a day. And that's what we say. It's one hour a day of being uncomfortable because, trust me, we've had lots of people bitch and moan in the middle of summer when it's, you know, 35, 40 degrees and they're like, oh, it's so hot. Are you guys ever going to get air con? And we're like, no. Mate, I've never it's ever. never going to happen. I've never ever seen in my entire life an air-conditioned boxing gym. Exactly, because they're like some of the toughest people on the planet. They love to just Bo- go in there and be gyms, uncomfortable. Um, MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, any martial arts gym t- is not air-conned. No. Not, and, and only the shit ones would be air-conned. Yeah, like because, the, the big franchise because, stores and stuff like because, that. Because, like, do you think Tyson Fury trains in fucking aircon? No. Like, of course he doesn't. Do you doesn't. think he cares about being comfortable when no, he's trying he's, to be the best in the world? Yeah, of course he doesn't. No. no. And, that, and, that's what, and that's what I want to get over to people in the podcast is the fact that, like, if, if you feel comfortable right now in where you are at life, then you're not. You, you've stopped. You've st- you, you like in life. You're either you're, you're either growing or or, or contracting. Or you're sitting still. Or con- no, 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 no. You never sit still, Nave. How well, can you sit still? You're either growing. That's being comfortable. You're not going anywhere if you're just sitting still. No, but you're going backwards. Then well, you can't. Yes. You, you you can either go forwards or backwards. You never stay the same. If me and you had this conversation, if if I had a, if I come into this podcast right and we have a conversation, I can either leave you feeling more empowered and to go on and do more, or less empowered, yeah. right? Same thing with with things. You can either go forwards or you can go backwards, but you never stop, never stay the same. You're always either go, growing or you or you're going backwards. You, yeah, you can't stay in the same no, place. You're dead right, and that's that's like where I was back in you know 2016 when I was crane driving. I was earning more than enough money to just be happy and, and do that. You was bored shitless. But I was bored. I wanted something more. <laughs> and, you know, this is where we are now, and it's excellent. So, you know, four, four and a half years on from where I decided that I wanted to be a financial planner, and then I financial planned, and then I worked at a nightclub as well. And then we, we built NQ Gym. We should talk about that next, actually, because that was a good time. Yeah. And then I finally got enough money and was earning enough to give away the crane. I completely forgot about and the then, build, actually. Yeah, <laughs> we should go back to that because that is an interesting thing. But yeah. Uh, then I gave away the crane and then eventually I was earning enough in the gym when I did finally start to earn money in the gym that I could give away the nightclub. So it, it was always it's, two or it's, three. It's a journey, but like the, one of the things that I want to touch on before we go about the building of the gym, because it is, it is a good story, mate, and obviously you did do your back end doing the gym, like, honestly. But, like, just just the 
just to show people like with with your story and everything that you've put out today like it just shows people that success or perceived success or perceived good luck or however you want to fucking dress it up it's not a, it's it's not a it's not a thing that happens in one two it's some it's like a five oh, year, lo- it's like a five year th- it's like always always I'm, a five I'm year not journey. there yet like i can't say that i'm there i cannot yeah. say that i'm rich yeah, yeah, and yeah. i've got everything i want yeah, no, no i've still got many ambitions and i still want to grow and become far more successful than i am now but where i am now is a very comfortable place for my life to sit back and sort of plan the next big move. Yeah, you and then get time. uncomfortable again. Correct. And, so and when you get the next facility, that's you pushing into uncomfortability again. Correct. Really. Yeah, 100%. Because, you, because, because now, you've got, now you've got a new facility, you don't know how many members you're going to go. You, you've got bills coming in over here, and this, mm. that, and the other. It's like, it's like fucking... Well, you've what? got to have a plan like your mentor told you before. You've got to have a revenue stream to pay for your next step, right? Yeah, he, so, says, like, he says, look, mate, if, if you want to buy something, create a revenue stream, then go buy it. So that's what we're doing now. So the last two years has always been we'll create enough revenue stream because we know what it costs to open a gym once we've created enough revenue stream to do that again because I, I don't believe in financing. Okay, so this is where we can start talking about the build of the gym yeah, but yeah. everything that we have now, we got through our own money. Yeah, We, I, we didn't take out a giant, which is also part of the past of why we survived COVID so well because we weren't heavily you, burdened you weren't heavily debt. leveraged. Yeah. Correct, yeah. But just so you you remortgaged a place, didn't you, to get the cash out to, to four four you, houses? <laughs> so no, but again, this is beautiful because like this shows people what you have to put on the line. To yeah. really, you've you you and Emily and and your two little lads have uh, you know you built what you did in terms of your investments to give to the boys, right? Yeah. So so for you to go back and re-leverage re-leverage and finance your four investment properties that are going to be passed on to your children, mm. right? Takes nuts when you've when I know that you've put them in place for those two lads yeah well it's it's just willing to back yourself okay and we were we were 100 percent that this is what we want to do and if you really want something go for it but at the same time don't do it without you know adequately researching what you need and i knew that even if the gym failed that i could go back to crane driving something i didn't want to do or continue working at the nightclub yeah or continue working at all three to support the extra leverage that i'd just put on myself even if it all turned to shit yeah. So I'd already. So you made you made a calculated risk, but still, yeah. To be willing to go, mate. To oh, it bank. would have put me back ten years. Yeah. If yeah. it didn't work, I would have had to work for the next ten years doing shit that I didn't want to do just to get back to square one. So there's a, it's worth the risk. Oh, it was it was one hundred percent worth the risk. And as long as you're willing to back yourself, I know you hear this all the time in like motivational stuff. But if you're unsure about your capabilities, don't do it. When you're 100% ready to back yourself and you're like, I will not fail because I know that I will do this and nothing else will happen until I do it, which is where Emily and I were at and Ian as well, we knew that this will work because we will make it work and if it doesn't work, we'll try harder. It's not just not going to work. We mate, will make it work. Mate, it's just reps. It's, it's just repetitions. Yeah. It's same, with, same with growing a muscle, same with growing this podcast, same with growing your business. It's yep. all reps. At the end of the day, yeah, I made a conscious decision when I started this podcast. I said I'll do two or three episodes. I'll feel it out. I felt it out. I thought, okay, I like this. Mm. So I went and sunk in like my 10 grand to get it up pro audio, all this stuff, took on employee, took on a, took on a studio took on all this stuff right because i'm just gonna i just thought to myself do you know what just go in just go all in like just yeah. just roll it well, roll the dice yourself. yeah you gotta back yourself and you not, only, yourself. Not, not only that like at the end of the day 
like have audacious goals have audacious goals i'm i'm gonna build this into being one of top australia's top podcasts i don't give a fuck who thinks i'm crazy or not because 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 i'm gonna keep doing it i don't give a fuck about anyone else's opinion either like because that's how you have to be you have to have that little bit of nasty like not nastiness but that little bit of driving grit grit determination or just be willing to work just put it in so what what we okay so where we were at was we we mortgaged all four of our well, our house, our home, like yeah, our yeah, actual yeah. family home. We remortgaged that or refinanced that, however you want to put it, and our three investment properties. We took out to the 80% LVR on that. So I didn't want to take out Linda's mortgage insurance, but I took out everything I could in a sensible aspect. Yeah. Pulled all of that money together plus the money that I've been saving from the three jobs and then – you, <laughs> found, you, you go all in, don't you? <laughs> yeah, found, found that we had enough to get basically everything to get like the bare bones of the gym done. Um, so we, we started looking for a new premises. We finally, after like, I think it was about five months, we finally found a spot. Is that how long it was? It took ages. And we were so lucky that the other building didn't get knocked down because we were on a week-to-week Literal week to week. So in this time, obviously, I've now bought out Ian's previous partner. We came to an agreement on yeah. price. Emily and I bought him out and became Ian's new business partners. We included Ian in as like a 50% hold. Yeah, He didn't have the capital because he was still on like a study visa. He wasn't yeah. technically allowed to work. So what we did was we, we put him on like a, a work for share. We said, you've got 50% of the business, but you've got to work for equal amount of money that we're putting in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he was stoked with that because it enabled him to be, you know, it, it, it enabled him to earn back his position, one hundred percent. You know, and he was never going to not work. But the fact was, is now he was a fifty percent owner. He wasn't working for someone else that owned it. Yeah. So we 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 were all really happy with what we sort of came to agreements on, and then we found a space that was like a a rock's throw from where we were. It was just on from Upton Street to Bundle Road, and if you drew a straight line in between the two, it was like eighty meters. Yeah, we were kind of in our own backyard. Yeah, but this time we'd gone from an eighty square meter place to a four hundred square meter on a place better road as well. On a main road, not a back street, um, and we had a, a backyard like an outdoor area. We More didn't, parking didn't before. Yeah, we had like sixteen spaces instead of four. Um, we were able to sort of design and pencil in two like awesome bathrooms, so you can have like two facility bathrooms, two showers, two toilets, two basins, uh, a fully operational like reception desk with multiple fridges and, and a basin for shakes and smoothies and whatnot. And uh, Emily, again, Emily did all the design for that because she just went on Pinterest and just found like every amazing gym in the world, took pieces and designs and colorways and, and you know, different things from all of those and, and sort of put this palette together and, you know, we're like that looks, that looks sick, we'll go with that. We rebranded, so we rebranded from just Never Quit Gym yeah. to NQ Fit Factory or Never Quit Fit Factory Pro- Proprietary Limited. Yeah, and that is now the physical premises of our gym is the NQ Fit Factory. So we've got yeah. the very factory feel, that industrial feel. Um, you know, I so we okay. The premises that we did take over was a it was a panel shop. It yeah, was, it was a shithole. It was an absolute <laughs> shithole. It had been a panel shop, like a car auto body shop for Dirty. 24 years. and yeah, uh, Dingy. And yeah, so we got the keys and we were like, okay, where do we start? And Ian and I were just like, let's just fucking smash it down. Let's just start from scratch. So everything that was a structure in there, we sledgehammered, jackhammered, grinded. So like we sledgied 
all of the walls out, all of the – they had a disgusting bathroom, if you could imagine a 24-year-old auto body shop bathroom. Yeah, I can it imagine. It was yeah. the most disgusting toilet ever. We knocked that out, ripped that out, pulled down any signage and old paint and pressure blasted all the walls. It had grease on the floor, which had to be removed, and repainted all the walls. Um, we literally grinded the floor ourselves because we couldn't afford a floor grinder and we wanted some polished concrete through, like, the common areas. Yeah. So I sat – until 11.30 p.m. one night, grinding the floor. because we. Could this only is why you got a bus back as well, can this I just add? You, part, just, had, you, part ju- of you it. just had an operation on your back at the time, hadn't you? Yeah, or, no, so, okay, so we were going through this and, and about two weeks into the build, after sledgehammering and jackhammering and carrying concrete blocks in and out, in and out, in and out to the skip bin, uh, and using a, a way too big jackhammer that was lent to me by my father-in-law because we couldn't afford to hire a jackhammer or buy one. Uh, my back was getting quite sore and I started having really bad sciatic pain down my right my right hamstring and glute. Yeah. And it didn't get better. I saw acupuncturists and massage therapists and I just had to keep working because we had a deadline. So by this time, we've got the keys. We've found the premises. We've got one week to get out of our existing gym once we've given notice. So we haven't given notice to them that we've even found a place. Um We've been working, working, working. We've got, okay, we've got a deadline by August 12th. Swap over facilities. Swap over. We got the keys on June 16th. Yeah. So we had three and a half weeks basically to get a whole new premises from an absolute shithole bomb site of an auto body shop to a fully functioning Shout out, painted, Steve. Shout ev- out, Steve. Yeah, everything ready. <laughs> um, one of our members, Steve Nichols, massive shout out and love until the day I die. He had just retired and sort of taken a step back from his building company. And he's like, I'll give you guys a hand. And I'm like, okay, sweet. And st- st- what and, and if you what do you sh- want to do? Yeah. He's, he's, he's the coolest guy ever. And he, has a, he has a wicked, and you should definitely go and follow him. Called His, his Instagram page is called Zigati Zigati Designs. Yeah. And um, you should definitely go follow Steve because Steve is one hell of a he's a craft no he's a craftsman craftsman. you can't call him a builder he's a craftsman so he he's he's done exactly that as well you should have him on the podcast i I want him on the podcast i'm gonna get him on followed his passion and he just does the most amazing designer timber work now but he he just he just retired like i said he obviously had some spare time he's like i'll help you guys fit out and i'm like i'll i'll pay you everything i can like and he goes nah just let me train for free and I'm like, he's, he's just that dude. Type. He's just such a nice yeah. guy, Steve. And like, so I'm like, you and your entire family have like lifetime memberships to NQ. You yeah. Can come back whenever you want. Um, you know, whatever suits, whatever we can do. And, and he sort of worked with me and Ian for the next three weeks on all of the, he did Stud all of the walls, structure, the framing, structure, everything frame, like yeah. that. And, um, yeah, we literally could not have done it without him. It would have cost us a lot more money and I would have had to finance because we didn't have it. But, after we got all the floor grinding done, after we got all of the um, the jackhammering, the sledging and all that done, we ripped a wall down. We put up a, a, a beam to sort of support the roof where we'd taken the wall out. And again, my, my back and my leg and that side of pain didn't go away and it got worse and worse to the point where I actually couldn't walk properly anymore. And we were I was just taking painkillers and lots of Voltaren and anti-inflammatories to sort of get through the day. And then it got to the point where I was taking endones because it got really really painful and so that was by the time we'd nearly finished then we're about a week or two off finishing and we were painting so in the final fit out stage 
and we were rolling and so I'd do you know, I was able to do about five or ten minutes worth of rolling and then I'd, I had an air mattress set up in the middle of the room and I'd go and lie on that and sort of breathe through the pain for a little bit on that curl up into a fetal position. Again, mate, it's big shout out to yourself for like just putting yourself through the ringer to get this thing we done. Just, yeah, it, it was just by that time it was like this just has to get done. Yeah. And um, and you've then, put you've you've literally like remortgaged four properties, and pulled out all your own cash that you've saved, and thrown everything else. I out. had to sell a truck too. Yeah, I had a Ford Ranger. I had to yeah, sell I that. To that. Use, yeah, use, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. So I, I'm still paying that off now, even though that the yeah. cash went into the gym. But yeah. anyway, this is just it's just what you have to do if you want yeah, it to yeah. work. You, you want to work. Put it. You on the just line. make it work, and that was what we had to do. We just had to make it work. So we did, and same like with my leg and my back. What what had actually happened? I didn't know. At this stage where I was still painting and going lying down and getting up and painting again was my L5 disc had actually herniated. It had exploded and and the oh, internal guts of that disc was squashing oh, my man. sciatic nerve, which was causing like excruciating pain. Mate, it sounds bad. I'm feeling my back right now. <laughs> but it was actually over time it was, it, was, it was sort of creeping out more and the more that it was uh, pinching the nerve, the less nerve was getting to my leg. So I was getting less and less movement in, less and less movement in my leg uh, to the point where it was, it was a week off opening and I woke up on, I remember it was a Friday morning and I actually couldn't move my leg. My right leg was paralyzed. It was dead. I couldn't yeah. move it. Yeah. And at that stage, I'm like, I was really worried, obviously, yeah. as you would be waking yeah, up with yeah. paralysis. Yeah, and it didn't yeah. come back. I thought, it's not just dead leg. It hurt yeah. like shit. The, yeah. nerve, the sciatic nerve was on fire and I couldn't move it. So I got Emily um, and she's like, you've got to go to the doctor. And so obviously I did. Like as soon as the doctor opened, I went to the GP. He's like, you've obviously got some serious things going on in your back he's not a surgeon not a neurosurgeon not an orthopedic surgeon he's like you got to go get an mri and i'm like i can't even walk at this stage i can't drive so emily like excruciatingly drove me to get an mri they had to strap me like velcro me to the table so i could lay flat because i couldn't i was crying like i'm not even gonna lie i was literally in that much pain that i was crying to lay flat i know for you to for you to, so for you to say that you were crying it must have been fucking i painful. was like get me the fuck out of this thing as yeah. quickly as you can because i'm yeah. like if i lie down flat it's like a 10 out of 10 pain you yeah. can take me in scan me take me straight yeah, back out yeah. and i've got to curl up again in a fetal position that was the only position that didn't just destroy me yeah so they strapped me down chest knees ankles strapped me flat on my back, rode me in the machine and then like out again two minutes later and I was just like, oh, it was just the worst thing ever. And so then I hobbled out of there, they wheelchaired me out of the MRI room and I sort of lay on the couch. They said, you got to wait until the head of radiology comes because we think it's quite bad. He came like 10 minutes later and he said, you got to go straight to emergency. And this is all in a space of like two hours. <clears throat> Fucking hell. Excuse me. You literally, literally took you to emergency. Yeah, so ambulance. They wanted to call an ambulance. I'm like, nah, wife's here. Emily drove me straight to emergency. What, they operated straight away? No, 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 no. Unfortunately, it would have been great if they did. But what happened was I got I got checked in, admitted in, sort of sat on the – it was quite good. Like, shout out to the Gold Coast Uni Hospital because that was like the emergency ward. Yeah. Uh, nurse came in, looked at the sort of x-rays. She asked me a million questions. She left. Doctor came in, asked me basically the same questions over again. Looked at the scans. He left. Um, neurosurgeon came in and he's like, it's really fucking bad. Um, you've got about 48 hours before that nerve will die and then you'll lose 
feeling and, and sort Die. of oper- So if a nerve is pinched for too long, it starves of oxygen and it dies. Fucking hell, man. So he said, it's already, how bad is it? How long has it been like this? And I said, well, I woke up like this. It was yesterday it was working. Today it's not. And he goes, okay, that's great. We've got an opening on Tuesday. It's already Saturday. So let's go. We got you in. You got to get in. Take it. And I'm like, give me the paperwork. And I signed it there. And then so I had to wait that weekend. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, just living. In. Just living. So and that, then, was, that was under like the public health system? Yeah. I was very lucky very that I didn't lucky. have to go to a wait list. But I was also at the top of the chain because I was at like that. Par- it wasn't just a sore back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was paralysis. Yeah. And it was like permanent loss of my right leg. <laughs> Fucking. Um, just what you need on the week of an opening of a gym, isn't it? Yeah. So that was, I had surgery the day after we opened. So we opened. I remember you sending me a picture of this disc in your back yeah. in a box. Well, they gave I was it like, to me. Mate, yeah. What are you sending me that for? So we opened the gym. So we were, we were, we were at that point then. Like yeah. everything was done. Sort of like Emily and Steve and Ian and a few of our other awesome members sort of stayed around and helped lay the floor and, and piece a little bit of the equipment together. And then Monday we opened. Tuesday I went into surgery. Yeah, so that's man. how sort of close it was. We, well, I made it, but just. It's just amazing that all, all this stuff happens and you're still fucking punching for real. Yeah, well, it took... Okay, so the surgery was amazing. I was very lucky. Um, they went in, they removed the herniated portion of the disc. They left... It was a microdiscectomy, so they left the rema- remnants of the L5 disc. They said, I've probably got five or ten years before I'll need to have like a synthetic one put in there just from wear and tear. It will just wear out because there's not much left. Yeah. The way they described it to me for the people listening is like if you step... Imagine a jelly donut, yeah. that's your disc. If you step on it, you imagine where all the jelly goes, yeah, and squeeze yeah, it out yeah, the yeah. side, that's a herniated disc. Yeah. Now, if you cut away all that squeezed out bit, you're left with a squashed donut. Yeah. That's what's left in me now. So it's like a fifth of the size it should be. Mate. But it works for now. So when it but needs... you still go harder than any man I know in the gym. What are you doing? Well, why <laughs> not? Just, you need to relax, man. No, no, that's silly. I, I do, I've learned to do things a lot better than yeah. what I did and I protect my back by having a really strong core regimen. So like I've got better abs now than I did pre-surgery but my core is bulletproof now because I train it so much. I've got a really strong lower back. I don't go trying to lift PRs and massive yeah. deadlifts and squats anymore. So I no do point things. is that when you, know, when you know that you're going to ask him for trouble. That's exactly right. I'm, I just work other areas and I work around instead of doing the movements which – you know, will put compound pressure on my spine. I don't do that anymore. I, I just train differently. And I, I pass that knowledge on to my clients as well because you don't need to have a ridiculously big deadlift and a ridiculously big squat to be the best athlete. It's not necessary. What do you think that most people are missing about obviously trying to get in the best shape of their life? What, what do you think the, the key ingredient is that they're missing? It's a it's a very tricky question because everybody wants a different targeted goal. But you know how, you know how with your clientele, what I've noticed about your clientele is that they're very like um, wealthy individuals that have probably uh, let their health go because they've been driving a massive business. I think so, and that's yeah. Okay, so there's a little bit of difference between those that point and in, in your question. The, yeah. the point of a lot of people will chase career over health. That's kind of human nature they they will yeah. just and if you want to be ultra successful you put everything into that until you are ultra successful and then you look back and you're fuck i'm not very healthy anymore that's a, a little bit of a, a negative aspect of it and a lot of people do that it's not necessary um 
what there I've, is a balance though isn't there there is a balance there is a hundred percent a balance and if you were to talk to a handful of my you know ultra wealthy successful clientele what they will all say is since they've put their health as a number one since they make that they make every money. single day commitment to that one hour in the gym their business is way more successful yeah 100 percent. okay and and that is a driving force for them to then continue doing that and it's not just because we crush the workouts every day like i like i said before i'm militaristic if you come and you train you know that you're going to train until you can't anymore by the end of that one hour we're training up to like the 59th minute. By the end of that one hour, you're like, I'm, fuck, I'm done. Can't do anything else. We don't want to walk away going, oh, we probably could have fit in something else. And it's like when you're training with me, you get like one minute rest. And then we're going again. A, mi- a minute's a lot, mate. A minute is a long time rest, yeah. to be fair. I don't, yeah. I don't even, like, I'm not, I'm not from that background where you get a minute's rest. I mean, you have to be recovered in like 10, 15 seconds in a boxing gym to go again on the bag or whether you're in a boxing ring or sparring or whatever. You're not, yeah. You don't get a minute. But no one's like, punching in the face. It, All you're doing it, is it, picking something up it, and putting it down again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is like a minute is still still a good amount of time. You're still giving them a good amount of time to, yeah. to, 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 to recover. And oh, yeah, it. 100%. And like... That's just, that's how we train. And then with most of my male clientele, we, we'll have like certain certain goals which we want to attack and we want to reach. Like a few of them at the moment, we've, I set a little bit of a, a target that we want to do a thousand reps of abs every week. And initially they were like, oh, that's, that's a fucking lot. And I'm like, no, it's not. We're training five days a week. We've only got to do 200 reps a day. Yeah, and they're not all got to be the same exercise. No, it's not the same exercise. We're spreading it across like 10 to 15 different exercises. So, you know, in one session we might do, you know, three or four different ab variations and we're only doing 50 to maybe 60 reps on each variation. You're, You're there, you know. You got you got you've obviously got clients that are doing like they turn over big numbers in the minute, like in you know yeah you six, you know a fair yeah. few of them yeah, yeah I know I know and 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 like when you, you got, like some of them just have completely negated their health for years been been enjoying the fruits of their labor obviously worked hard within business and then gone out partying yeah <laughs> so it's like to cut to come in and then have that you've obviously got them in the best shape that I've ever seen them in. 100%, like, yeah. So one, and that, In they, mind and body. They attest to that in as mind, well. In mind and body. I know, I know a property developer that you, that you train, won't mention any names, but I know for a fact that he wouldn't do the deals that he does now if he didn't train and have the mental focus and the, and the routine with the gym. Yeah, well that, that's awesome to say and, and to hear as well. So thank you for that. But it does come with like mental capacity training is just as important as like muscle capacity 100%, 100%. training. 100%. And like we were touching on before with being uncomfortable, if you can train your mind to, to, to struggle and to prosper through like really intense workouts, but when you get stuck in like a really stressful day in the office or a really stressful deal and you know now you're not struggling to breathe or you're not struggling to lift your arms or simply stand up through sheer exhaustion you can focus that much more because you've got your body and everything's working and you're not completely exhausted but now you, your mind is trained to work through stressful scenarios and there's different kinds of stress but your body and your mind still process stress in the same whether it's stressful because you've got a, a massive email that you've got to reply to or a hundred million dollar deal on the line or somebody is absolutely crushing you and destroying you and you can't breathe and you're about to vomit and you can't lift your arms, but someone's yelling at you to go another round or go another rep or, you know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. it's it's still stress and it's yeah. being uncomfortable and it's learning to be uncomfortable and be comfortable 
with being, being, being uncomfortable. uncomfortable. It, but it's, it's all about how you flip the perspective on uncomfortability as well and how you feel. Because like, if, if, like it's, it's so important that of how you approach things. You know what I mean? Just even how you think about things. Like it's not, it's not stress. It's just your growth. Yeah. If you, if you look forward to it, then you're going to crush it. Yeah, 100%. like if if you don't look forward to going to work, or you don't look forward to being in an uncomfortable or stressful scenario, you're not going to enjoy it. Therefore, you're not going to want to do it, and you're going to try to find ways to get out of that, or around it, or do the easy option, or you know, not do the whole amount or half-ass it. And that's where not doing a great job is is going to always arise from from not putting your whole into it. You're not going to do a great job. And so, you know, that leads back to life in general. It's not yeah. just training. That's that's work, that's life, that's love, that's relationships, that's parenthood. It's it's everything that nothing is comfortable if it's worth it. You know, like everything yeah, that's e- worth e- everything it. Everything that's worth it is, is has uncomfortability, otherwise it wouldn't be worth it is what you're trying to say. Yeah, that's right. Like being a parent, in my perspective, a lot of people disagree, but in my perspective is is so worth it. There's so many negatives to being a parent. But there's always way more positives. Yeah. And as long as you don't focus on the negatives, the lack of sleep or the nagging or them interrupting your love life or, you know, the many aspects of being a parent and you look at the positives, it's always going to be far more beneficial. You know, like right now, Ollie's starting to do little athletics and he's wanting to come to the gym after school and he wants to get better at, at like sport and, and soccer he's, he's and running eight, and he's AFL. Eight, he? He's only six. Six, six. Yeah. So, and now it's, it's really awesome now because I get to be like that that super interactive dad and he wants to do things that dad's doing. And like even Leo, who's only three, Leonardo, he, yesterday he said, uh, when I dropped him off at kindy, he said, daddy, can I come to the gym after kindy? Because he just wants to come to the gym. Yeah, he, he likes it. He, he loves was, it. He was doing boxing with me. Uh, yeah, he loves hitting the pads <laughs> with you. Like he's, he's just an animal of a kid. He loves yeah, it. He loves it. He's a good kid. But like at the end of the day, like like you say, with the whole family setup and and thing thing that you've got going, mate, it's it's phenomenal. You know what I mean? And like what what Emily's brought to the business, and obviously the boys be, being able to be in a business where your whole family's involved. Yeah, and 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 you your best mates, one of the partners as well, is like yeah, that's it's, that's it's, it's really a, lucky. it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful thing. Before we go today, mate, just tell the people where they can obviously um, follow you guys on on socials and website and everything like that. So the socials and the website of the same it's nq fit factory okay black black logo white nq you'll find us we're the only one um it's never quit gym nq fit factory however you find us you'll find myself at coach underscore cooper coach cooper uh emily cooper underscore nq is is my wife you'll follow her you can see her on my pages as well and then Ian, Ian D fitness if you want to find ian but you'll find us all on the nq page as well very easy to see who we are just again, mate, thank you very much for your time and coming on the podcast. And That was awesome. What's, just tell them the website quickly. Uh, NQFitFactory.com. Sweet as. And look, guys, you can follow me on Instagram at Frankie Lee. I've got my handle back on Instagram, so I'm loving that. And have an epic day. I hope you've got something valuable from this podcast and have a little listen to the others on the podcast as well. Peace out. Have a good day. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee podcast. 